listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast. Join your hosts as we review video games from all systems and all genres. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Zap Night. I'm your host, Danny. I'm your co-host, Kaylee. And we are on episode 65. Yay! We're talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yay! I know. (laughs) So we've been waiting for this game for... Seriously, for me, since since remakes were a thing, like for many years, I've been wanting this game to be remade uh, with better graphics. And finally, after all these years, the the collective Final Fantasy VII fans have persuaded Square Enix to make this game. <laughs> we did it. I know that's exactly we how it felt too. We did it. <laughs> and um. It took, I can't even remember, I want to say it was like like almost 10 years <laughs> that, that we've known about this game. And no, not 10 years. Not 10 years? I don't, I don't remember when it was announced. It was announced E3, like... I, I, I it had to have been like my other house. Yeah, I was too. So like it's at least five years. So it's it's more than that. In any case, it's been a long time for this game in development. Uh, but it was finally released in April on the tenth in twenty twenty. <laughs> Yay! So currently, it's only on the PlayStation Four, but it kind of seems like they have plans to change that eventually. I picked it up day one. Well, uh, I tried. It was true. it was mailed to me. <laughs> well, you know they they had the delay because of the corona. Yeah, and that's that's the other part to this, and and a lot of people were afraid that it would delay the delivery time for a lot of games, but luckily Square Enix stepped up and they. Um, pushed out all the games a little bit early so a lot of people got the game like up to a week early yeah. i think i got mine maybe a few days before the official release if not the day of um but yeah and, and i bought two copies of it because i bought the deluxe edition well <laughs> the like super mega ultra edition that had the figure with it um but that came with the deluxe edition but then i thought well i don't want just the deluxe i want a standard edition too and then i bought the standard <laughs> and then they both come and the original game is like in both so like it didn't matter Aww. so now i have two copies of the game for no real reason but, but on, my, have them. on my shelf it looks pretty cool because i have the reverse cover on there sure so it it still looks cool on the shelf it's just kind of pointless <laughs> So nice. I played this game twice <laughs> in the, in since April, I have played this game all the way through twice. Uh, the first time I played it, I really wanted to like just me in a dark room, big screen TV, sitting in a comfortable chair experience of playing this game. Old and school. then I finished it and I kind of wanted to play it again. Um, so I played it on Twitch which was significantly different experience, but um, it still was nice. And so, yeah, I, I got through it twice. Show off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the first time I played it through, it was 45 hours and 29 minutes. And I was at level 36, which is very comparable to yours. What was yours again? Uh, I was at level 38. 
with 46 hours and 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. comparable. I mean, um, I did do all of the side quests both times, or <clears throat> as much as you can do in one round, in one playthrough. Um, I did all of the side quests that I could possibly do. Um, the second time I played it through, it was only 32 hours and 18 minutes. So, like, just having the knowledge of the game. Yeah. Also, <laughs> there was less of an urgency to collect everything. So, I wasn't looking in every nook and cranny. I wasn't trying very hard to... Or I didn't spend any time looking around either. Like, maybe a little bit. But the first time I played through, it was like, Oh, everything, this is yo. amazing. <clears throat> this looks so good. I need yeah. to look at these things. <laughs> or the second time, it was just like point A to point B and get there and get done. So, you know... The the time difference is definitely part of that, plus the learning curve, and we'll, right. we'll talk about that more. Absolutely. So, um, the story. I have completely typed out this entire story. It's <laughs> definitely overkill, like absolutely definitely overkill. So, if for whatever reason you guys don't care about the story and don't want to listen to it, I will put the time marker in the description of the podcast or in the YouTube video uh, <clears throat> of where you can jump to to skip the story. So, if, if you feel like you want to skip it, it's probably going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a while, I'm sure. I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can and as thoroughly as I can, or um, like accurately as I possibly can, but... Again, if you don't want to, if you don't care about the story, you can skip to that timestamp. I'll put it in the description. Oh, also, spoilers, a hundred percent spoilers. This, <laughs> I, if you've never listened to one of our podcast episodes, our reviews are we're we're covering everything, spoilers included, from beginning of the game to the end of the game. Like we are talking about everything, and that goes for. After we're done with the story, too, because we will talk about, you know, the end sequences and what we thought of it and our interpretations of it. So if you haven't played the game, go play the game or at least, you know, you're, you're going to have to just expect the spoilers <laughs> like it's going to happen. So, OK, with that out of the way, we'll talk about Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, the story side of things. It starts off in the Mako Reactor 1 which you're it starts off just like the original game where Barrett jumps off of the train and calls Cloud down and um, Cloud works with Barrett, Jesse, Biggs and Wedge to blow up the reactor. They make their way down there. Um, they are encountered by the Scorpion robot and they're forced to escape before the bomb's timer finishes. They make it out in time and they make their way to the Sector 8 top plate. Because the bomb had just gone off, they're trying to make their way to the train station, but the train is um, uh, kind of covered in rubble and not accessible. And I think they stopped all the trains too, didn't they? Oh no, because they escaped via train, so they didn't stop the trains. But anyway, um, while Cloud's trying to make it to the train station, he starts hallucinating about Sephiroth. And he sees him and tries to attack him, but then eventually it just kind of disappears and he kind of shakes it off as a hallucination. Cloud does run into Aerith and Aerith gives him a flower and all of a sudden gets attacked by a swarm of ghosts. She ends up running away and the ghosts follow her 
she leaves Cloud to fight off the Shinra army who is kind of pursuing him. I don't know really why. Maybe they, I don't know, recognized him. I, mean, I don't know. He's got this huge sword on his back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seems pretty straightforward that he would be a bad guy. But I mean, he he's like that throughout this whole game. And then none of the other soldiers seem to care. So somehow they recognize him as an enemy. In any case, he does end up escaping via train, but he has to jump onto the roof of the train after being cornered by Shinra army members. And then he meets back up with Barrett, Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge on the train, and they make their way to Sector 7. They all go back to the Sector 7, the seventh heaven, where Tifa is you know, a bartender where they have a bar and a hideout there. Cloud confronts Barrett about his pay, and he is very reluctant on paying Cloud for some weird reason. Tifa ends up escorting Cloud to a room that she has procured for him. And the next day, Tifa escorts Cloud around town to introduce him to locals, trying to build up a, a reputation as a mercenary. And that's kind of like the goal, I think, of Cloud, is that he's trying to become this mercenary and establish himself in this in the slums Mm -hmm. and we kind of talked about that in the original final fantasy seven also but it wasn't as clear cut as it is in this game so anyway you do a whole bunch of side quests and that evening avalanche has a meeting during the meeting barrett makes the decision to exclude cloud from the next mission And Jesse tells Cloud that she really tried to get him into the job, but Barrett just wouldn't have it. And she requests Cloud to uh, help her with something that evening. So Cloud goes back to his room and finds Jesse waiting for him. Jesse needs Cloud's help to get some more blasting agent for the next bomb from the Sector 7-6 Annex. And Jesse takes Cloud to the train station, but finds that the trains have been stopped for the day because of the bombings. Biggs and Wedge show up with motorcycles to help Cloud and Jesse with their job. Although, I don't know if they knew about the job ahead of time, but then like all of a sudden they knew about the job, so I don't really know what that was all about. Because it kind of seemed like it was the secret between Jesse and Cloud, and then they make it to the train station, and Biggs and Wedge are like hey, we're here to help you. And then they like assumed that they were going to um, Jesse's parents' house. I don't well, know. she needed to get the key card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I, but it was it was almost like she was surprised to see Biggs and Wedge there. And then they ended up helping as if they knew about it the whole time. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I assumed that they knew she was acting funny, so they checked up on her thinking that she was going to be doing something of this. I don't know. Yeah, but it was... It was specifically said that she was that they thought she was going to see her family. And she was she like, was. Yeah, you you got me. And then they went up and then they didn't talk about it again. So because I don't know. Maybe she, they knew. She tells she tells Cloud on the way that <laughs> it wasn't it Sorry. wasn't just to They didn't see they, her yeah, family. They, they just assumed that she was going to visit her mom or something for her mom's home cooked meal. And she tells Cloud while on the bike that that's not the the reason why she's actually doing all this, but she says it in secret. So right again, know. it seems yeah, like that Biggs and Wedge shouldn't know about this, but yet they end up helping. So I don't. 
It, it doesn't make sense, but it's fine. We we move on. We accept it. So Biggs, uh, Biggs and Wedge and Jesse and Cloud are on. They're on two separate motorcycles, and they're they're making their way to the top plate. Uh, and then all of a sudden they start being chased by Shinra guards. Cloud helps fight off the enemies, but they also get attacked by a Shinra soldier, like like full blown soldier, like Cloud is supposedly, yeah. like a like a class first class soldier, first I guess. class soldier. Yes, <laughs> I think he technically is rank. I don't know, but he's this soldier is on a motorcycle also and chase cloud and the others through the highway and cloud fights him back and ends up breaking his motorcycle, causing the soldier to fall back. And then they make it to the sector seven top plate. Their goal is to go to Jesse's house where cloud is forced to sneak around back of the house to break in and steal the key card from Jesse's father, who's currently in a Mako poison coma. After they get the key card, Jesse goes to the Sector 7-6 Annex to collect the blasting agent while Cloud, Biggs, and Wedge cause chaos as a diversion so that she can enter the, the Annex. Cloud starts fighting with the Shinra guardsmen, and eventually the biker soldier comes flying in, and he has this big, awesome, like, entrance with this flowy hair, and it's amazing. And his mullet. Uh, yeah, he's got a <laughs> mullet. Yeah, his name is uh, how do you pronounce that? Roche. 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 Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Roach. I don't think he ever says his name, does he? Maybe he does. Anyway, or his or his AKA Speed Demon, you know. Cloud ends up fighting him one-on-one and obviously he's the victor of the fight, but he pushes back the Speed Demon and he, I don't know, has respect for Cloud for being a good swordsman and then helps Cloud like knock down a whole bunch of Shinra enemies. Eventually, the soldier guy leaves, and Wedge ends up getting caught by one of the big Shinra mechs, and a subgroup of Avalanche, like Avalanche HQ, infiltrates the Annex and helps the group escape. So the group goes back to the meeting spot with Jesse, and Jesse helps them parachute back down to the slums. Cloud escorts Wedge back to his house and then goes back to Jesse's house to get paid. And so Jesse pays him in, um, I think, was it a, a summoning? Was it well, Ifrit? I, I, think, I think so, yeah. I think it was Ifrit, some summoning materia. Materia. So anyway, the next day, Cloud is woken up by ghosts in his face he goes outside to see Tifa who's fighting off some ghosts and realizes that the whole sector is being swarmed by these ghosts. I call them ghosts because they're like these hooded flying creatures. Dementors? Yeah. They're dementors essentially. Yeah. Tifa and cloud make their way to the seventh heaven and they find Barrett and Jesse fighting more ghosts off. Jesse ends up slipping off the stairs and she sprains her ankle Right as soon as she sprains the ankle, all of the ghosts just fly away. 
so now Jesse is out of the mission, so Barrett is forced to have Cloud join in the the next bombing mission. I think it was it that same day. Oh yeah, it was that same day. So now that Cloud's on the team, Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett go to the train station and start heading towards Sector 4. The train ID scan catches the group and the security drones begin chasing them through the train. The group jumps off the train and has to make their way on foot to Sector 5 or yeah, Sector 5 reactor. They start off by going like through the train like uh, all the like underground but then they eventually make their way kind of upwards towards the top plate and they have this huge there's like this the longest dungeon in the game is what i call it It, it's really the (laughs) longest dungeon part one because there's a second longest dungeon of the game (laughs) um but anyway uh they make their way to the sector five reactor when they make it to the reactor itself cloud places the bomb at the reactor core and this time they have a remote detonator, so they don't have to, they don't have like a timed sequence to make it out. However, as they start making their escape, the ladder that they entered in starts lifting. And uh, Hedegar, who is the lead of the Shinra weaponry. arms. Oh, wait, is he head of weaponry? Yeah. Or just like the armory? No, I think he's head of the armory because I think Scarlet is head of the Weapon. the weapons. Yeah. Anyway, Hedegar projects himself with some security drones and tells the group that they are being publicized as the Shinra destroys them and also shows the team that they're going to be fighting the Airbuster, which I think is a weird approach. Anyway, Hedegar is interrupted and the group ends up proceeding to the entrance of the reactor. And along the way, they find parts to the Airbuster that they're able to limit its resources and end up collecting those parts that they are withholding from the Airbuster. Because, like, the Airbuster isn't finished being assembled yet. So while those parts are being sent to the airbuster the team is able to collect those parts like mid transit it's it's really s- silly it's a silly part <laughs> i thought it was interesting as the group makes it back to the entrance of the reactor they're greeted by another hologram projection of president shinra and the president reveals that uh, he's lumping avalanche's efforts with the war, the old war with Wutai, to get the people interested in creating another war and kind of lumping together, you know, all of Avalanche with Wutai, causing the people to hate Avalanche when really Avalanche is trying to stop Shinra and has nothing to do with Wutai. Heidegger then sets the bomb's detonator timer because he somehow was able to disable the remote detonation and drops down the airbuster on the group with a 20 minute timer after the battle with the airbuster it ends up self-detonating and cloud drops into the sector five slums below 
He wakes up in the flower bed of the Sector 5 slums inside of a church where he meets Aerith, who is officially Aerith in this game anyway. I still like to call her Ares, so if I accidentally call her Ares, you're going to have to just deal with it. Because <laughs> it's just, it's an old habit. I've always called her Ares, and it doesn't make any sense, but her official name is Aerith. Before he is able to leave the uh, church, Reno shows up and has a few of the Shinra guards with him with the goal of kidnapping Aerith. Aerith asks Cloud to be her bodyguard and to protect her. So Cloud ends up fighting Reno and all of a sudden the ghosts come back and whisk both Cloud and Aerith to the back room of the church. They do end up escaping through the church roof, you know, kind of like the original, except there's ghosts. Uh, the two escape through the church roof and make their way to Aerith's house. Aerith introduces Cloud to her mom, and Aerith's mom, really, you could tell that she doesn't like Cloud. <laughs> she definitely she definitely seems like an angry woman in this game. <laughs> she, I, I think I jokingly told you at one point, I'm like, she looks like she's done some time in prison. She doesn't <laughs> she look does. good. <laughs> she definitely does. Like, There's no way they could have made her look any less thrilled that Cloud is there. Like, I know. She just looks evil almost <laughs> she, uh, she really does of course she's she's not actually evil but she does have this reserve for cloud and i think that that has to do with her heartbreak with zach but like it, it's never like expressed there's definitely this feeling of like oh you're part of you know yeah. you're part of soldier and now that you're part of soldier you're always going to be part of soldier and we don't really want anything to do with you Anyway, Aerith asks Cloud to help her with some errands around the slums and try and build his reputation as a merc. Again, more side quests. On their way back to the house, they encounter Rude, who fights the couple until he ends up getting called away for a mission in Sector 7. Back at Aerith's house, her mom quietly tells Cloud to leave for Sector 7, because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get back to... Tifa and Barrett in Sector 7. So, uh, Aerith's mom tells him to leave alone in the middle of the night. Get the heck out of here. Cloud makes an attempt to sneak out of the house. Of course, he fails several times. And uh, when he does actually end up sneaking out of the house, he <laughs> is met by Aerith in, like, just outside of the Sector 5. Uh, and she escorts him to Sector 7. And just as they're about to enter the tunnel to go under, like, the wall barricade or whatever, the Sector 7 doors open with a chocobo carriage holding Tifa. Uh, Cloud runs up to Tifa, and Tifa tells him that she's going to find Don Corneo looking for information. At first, Cloud is just kind of like, oh, okay, and then leaves her to it. And then Aerith is like, no, 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 no. You, we have to go save her because Don Corneo is a terrible person. They end up talking to more people, and they find out that she's actually being entered in as a candidate for the next Mrs. Corneo. When they make their way to the Don's mansion, they talk with Leslie, who's the gatekeeper of the Don, Don Corneo's mansion. And he tells them that the Don only accepts women who are endorsed by three specific people. Those people are Sam, Andrea, 
and Madam M. So Aerith pushes Cloud to help her be accepted as a candidate so that she can go help Tifa. And they have to go and talk to the trio to try and become a candidate. Sam, he runs the Chocobo Carriage Taxi Service. He had already nominated Tifa, so he can't submit anybody else. So then they go and they look for uh, Andrea, who is, is, am I saying that right? Andre? Andrea, I think. Andrea. Anyway, he's the owner of the Honeybee Inn, uh, but you can't actually get to him and talk to him. So your only other option is to talk to Madam M, who is the owner of the massage parlor. (laughs) She's only willing to help Aerith if they win the Underground Coliseum tournament and win her the million dollar gill prize in order to pay for Aerith's dress. At least that's what she says. I doubt that it costs that much. After becoming the champion of the Coliseum, uh, Madam M does give Aerith a full makeover address and an endorsement letter to enter the Don's mansion. And while Aerith is getting ready, Cloud goes around town helping Madam M with people, I guess. Side quests, essentially. (laughs) More side quests. Aerith meets Cloud at Don Corneo's mansion, and she's all dressed up. Uh, Cloud raises the concern about Aerith going in alone, and Aerith has a plan to help Cloud get into the mansion with her. Aerith takes Cloud to the Honeybee Inn, where she has an appointment with Andre, Andrea, uh. to get endorsed for Miss Corneo. Cloud is forced to dance with Andrea, who is impressed by Cloud's moves and gives Cloud a makeover and an endorsement letter. So, with Cloud in a nice dress and nice hair, uh, Cloud and Aerith both go to Don Corneo's mansion, where they meet up with Tifa. Um, They get called in for the audition. Don... At least in my game, I don't think he picks anybody else, but Don ends up picking Cloud as his mistress, leaving Tifa and Aerith with his goonies. The girls are given their equipment back by Leslie, who was tipped off by Andrea, so apparently Leslie is a good guy. As a reminder, he was the guy who was like standing guard outside the mansion. Uh, The girls are able to fight off the goons with their equipment back, and they make their way to Cloud, and they give Cloud his equipment back, and as Cloud changes, he's revealed to be a man, and they begin questioning Don Corneo about what's, what's going on in Sector 7. The Don reluctantly tells the group that Shinra is planning to blow up the Sector 7 pillar to wipe out Avalanche. What they're going to do is they're going to blow up the the plate pillar, dropping the plate on the Sector 7 slums, pretty much killing everybody above the plate and below the plate, like annihilating the entirety of it. And as the group is about to leave, uh, the Don drops them into the sewers. Obviously, they're in a hurry to get back to Sector 7, and they make their way through the sewers as quickly as possible. When they come out of the sewers, they are in the train graveyard, and there's kind of like a sub-story here, though I'm not really sure. I don't really know what's going on. It's like, Tifa's really afraid of the ghosts, but like the ghosts are like little kids, 
and there's like this and, and these are like actual ghosts not the uh, yeah. dementor <laughs> ghosts these are like actual ghosts but anyway the ghosts are like little kids and the little kids are being taken from the slums by some like master ghost I don't know. It's it's bizarre. And then there's like this weird cut scene where Aerith is like huddled in a corner <laughs> and I don't I don't know. It it didn't make any sense and it didn't make any it, it didn't make any difference to the overall story so I didn't bother like writing it in. Anyway, as soon as they make it out of the train graveyard, they make their way to the Sector 7 pillar. Shinra is attacking Avalanche at the pillar. And everyone of Avalanche is inside the pillar trying to fight back. Cloud, Tifa, and Aerith uh, make it to the base of the pillar where Wedge falls on top of them. Tifa and Aerith help Wedge while Cloud makes his way to the top. And he ends up running into Biggs, who is collapsed from exhaustion. Tifa can't wait around for Cloud and Barrett. So she asks Aerith to find Marlene, who's in seventh heaven while she makes her way up the pillar Aerith runs back to sector seven looking for seventh heaven and has to avoid the masses of people who are running to safety she's also like telling them to run for safety because she knows the, the plates falling there's a shinra helicopter that falls from the sky that kind of blocks her way from getting to seventh heaven but she does make her way and she finds Marlene and promises Marlene that she will be safe. However, Sang shows up via helicopter after seeing Aerith enter Seventh Heaven. Aerith makes a deal with Sang to go with him in exchange for Marlene's safety. Meanwhile, Tifa meets up with Cloud, who is being shot at by Reno and Rude from a helicopter. Shinra is given Reno and Rude orders to finalize the collapse of the Sector 7 plate, and they're fed lines to, like, announce to the public to make it seem like Avalanche is the one attacking the pillar, not the other way around. They're saying stuff like, right. um, you Avalanche scum, quit attacking this pillar. These people need to be safe, or whatever. But you could tell, you know, they made it very, very clear that they were just, like, cue cards that they had to read anyway cloud and tifa find jesse who ends up dying in cloud's arms at least supposedly continuing to the top cloud and tifa find barrett who is barely holding off shinra reno drops from the helicopter and sets the bomb but is attacked by the group before it's fully set reno is backed up by rude as the team fights to stop the pillar from blowing up and Rude ends up dropping down from the helicopter, setting the bomb, and escaping, leaving the group to just narrowly escape via a conveniently placed zipline, <laughs> where they're able to slide <laughs> back to Sector 6 as the Sector 7 plate crushes the slums. <sighs> so that's like the halfway point. <laughs> So, now that they're back in the Sector 6, Barrett is obviously distraught that most of his Avalanche team has been crushed, and thinking that Marlene is still in Sector 7, Tifa tells him that Marlene is safe uh, because Aerith had told the group that she was safe. I forgot to mention that. Anyway, um, they decide to visit Marlene at Aerith's house, 
And while the group wants to save Aerith, her mom strongly is against it, thinking that Shinra will keep her safe until eventually they return her. And obviously, the group doesn't like this, but Barrett decides to have the group go back to Sector 7 to try and find survivors of the fall. And they do. They find a few people. And uh, as, as they make their way back through the underground tunnel... The tunnel collapses, dropping Barrett underneath, and they find like this research lab. Barrett has to make his way through this underground lab where he meets back up with Tifa and has to fight some failed research specimens. Cloud catches up with the team and they find that there are human subjects in tanks behind a false wall, leaving Cloud to you know, tell the group, like, this is kind of what Shinra does with people. And they are now, like, obviously concerned with Aerith, because who knows what Shinra's going to do with her. Back to Aerith's house, Cloud makes the argument with Aerith's mom that uh, the Shinra's not going to treat her well, and that they really need to go and rescue her. She does eventually agree, and they all go to sleep that night with plans of... Um, rescuing Aerith that next day. Cloud wakes up in the middle of the night and hears some footsteps and follows the sound out to the garden. There are two possible scenarios. You can either find Tifa out in the garden or you can find Aerith out in the garden. I don't know exactly what the parameters are for which is which. My assumption is there's like this one sequence where when you fall uh, into the sewers after the Don Corneo stuff... And you can pick who you talk to first. And I think who you talk to first determines this section. Anyway, uh, if you see Tifa, she is distraught with the loss of her home and her friends. And she is consoled by Cloud. And she's, I think, I think this is her resolution of, we have to stop Shinra. Like, this is so bad. We have to stop this from happening. Because I think before she was a little more reserved as far as, you know, all of the bombings and all of this death just because Mm -hmm. of the planet. Where now, I think it's more clear to her that Shinra is so bad that they have to be stopped because obviously they're willing to kill anyone and everyone to achieve their goals. Anyway, if you see Aerith in the garden... Obviously, Cloud is surprised to see her there. Cloud asks her if he's dreaming, and she's just like, I don't know, are you? (laughs) (laughs) She tells Cloud that she's safe and um, that she's really happy to have met him, but she warns him not to fall in love with her, that even if Cloud thinks that she's fallen in love with her, that he hasn't really, that it's just, it's a lie or something like that. In the Aerith scenario, Cloud wakes up the next morning back in the house, kind of like it had been a dream. Uh, if you get Tifa, then all at the end of her like little cutscene, it's next day. Uh, in both scenarios, you're with Barrett and Tifa talking to Aerith's mom, and they decide to make their way to the surface, but they have to find a way how to get to the surface. So their goal is to find Don Corneo, thinking that he has contacts to make it there. Uh, however, when they make it to the mansion, it's completely empty, all except for Leslie, who offers to help the group to make their way to the top. But 
they have to help him with something in the sewers. Leslie escorts the group through the waterway um, when a gremlin kind of monster steals a key from Leslie and the group has to chase after them to retrieve the key. They end up catching the monster and finding that the key is actually a necklace from Leslie's fiance, who had become a Mrs. Corneo at some point, but then vanished the next day. And because of this story, all of a sudden Leslie's a, a really good guy or whatever. I don't know. Like, the whole group was very <clears throat> reserved and weary about Leslie until after this. And then they're like, oh, he's all right. You <laughs> until know. after he lied to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Leslie escorts the group to uh, Corneo's hoarding room. And Leslie is trying to confront Don Corneo and kill him. But Corneo ends up getting Leslie's gun and holding Leslie at gunpoint. Cloud runs in and stops Corneo from killing Leslie, but Corneo ends up escaping, calling in his monster, Abzu, which is also Abzu. the name of that game that we played. Yeah. <laughs> the, like two-hour game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a review of that game if you want to yeah. listen to that. Check us out at zapnight.com. Anyway... Um, the group kills Abzu and finds Leslie in the next room over. Uh, Leslie gives them a bunch of grappling guns to help them get to the top. Tifa tells Leslie to hold on hope that his fiance is still out there somewhere, which I don't know. I wouldn't trust it being that it's Corneo. <laughs> anyway, they make their way back to the slums and they find the wall divider of sector six and sector seven wall divider where they're able to use the grappling guns to make their way to the top plate you're also given an opportunity to do a bunch of side quests here <laughs> and you do i mean i did anyway the side quests don't make a whole lot of difference aside from it gives you a chance to level up and stuff before the right. the you know final sequences of the game so the group uses the grappling guns to make their way through the Sector 7 rubble to find Shinra headquarters. There's a full chapter in this. It's another one of those long dungeons where you just have to make your way to the Shinra headquarters. After they make it to the headquarter area, they stow away on a Shinra supply truck where they enter the building through the parking garage they manage to retrieve a card key from the reception desk and set a goal to find Hojo's lab on the 65th floor. The group can make their way up as far as the 59th floor with the current card key that they have, where they're able to go even further through the visitor tour to gain access to the 60. Uh, the 60th floor and the 30, yeah. or 63rd <clears throat> floor. So they're, again, their goal is to get to the 65th floor and they're able to get to the 63rd floor without any help. Speaking of, before we get too far, I'm kind of curious, which, which did you take? Did you take the stairs or did you take the elevator? I took the elevator. I took the elevator in one game and then took the stairs in the other game. I think... I like the elevator a lot more than the stairs. It's definitely quicker. Yeah. And you get those fun little like cutscenes where like the first time the elevator opens up, they're like, Oh, and they're like ready to attack. And then they have to fight some, <laughs> some soldiers. 
Uh, and then another time, it's like a lab person, and they're just like huddled in the corner, like they're supposed to be there. And the lab person just walks on in and gets off at the next level or whatever. However, if you take the stairs, you literally Longer. are going <laughs> through all 59 floors trying to get <laughs> to the top. And you start off where you can easily run, and then like, uh, a ways through you kind of slow down to like a trot and then you slow down to like a walk and then you slow down to like a really slow walk and the whole time similar to the original game the whole time barrett's whining and complaining about you know how far it is and if it's worth it and that he would rather to have just gone in guns a blazing and um cloud is arguing with uh barrett a little bit and tifa's like you guys need to just shut up it's just it's just a silly you know silly right. bantering more than anything else it, it doesn't again it doesn't really hinder anything with the main storyline it's just what kind of scenario would you prefer when you're playing the game but it was fun to see both of them so the group is making their way through this visitor tour area and they make their way to a video like observation room. They watch this video of the Shinra, I don't know, Shinra goals. It, it's like this, this long video explaining the ancients and Shinra's goals to find the promised land essentially trying to make a better Midgar. All of a sudden, the video chamber like freaks out and shows Midgar being destroyed by a meteor and Sephiroth killing both Tifa and Barret. And then the Shinra video just like ends and the group walks out. <laughs> I know. They were like, yeah, that's normal. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just like, whoa, okay. And then when you walk out, they find a man named Hart who tells them that, oh yeah, the video has been acting funny lately. <laughs> so anyway, Hart tells them that the mayor of Midgar, Mayor Domino, wants to talk with the group, and uh, he escorts them through the library to get to Mayor Domino. The mayor reveals that he has been working with Avalanche for quite some time and has been helping the group gain access to the building undetected. The mayor is very fed up with Shinra because they've just like tucked him in a corner in the uh, hidden room in the library to not be seen or heard, but like they had to have a mayor, so he's a mayor. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know, from like my point of view, what does it even matter? Why does Shinra feel like they have to have a mayor? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about that too. I don't know. But doesn't it seem like that, that it was in the original? Was it Mayor Domino? Yeah, he was in the original that, and he was yeah. in the library too. And he does help the team in the original also, basically gaining gaining them access to the 64th floor, which is the same here. So the mayor um, offers to help them get to the 64th floor but they have to find his informant, who is a research and development personnel. As they make their way to the 64th floor, they have to go through an air vent where they can listen in on a Shinra meeting who involves President Shinra, Hojo, uh, Heidegger, Scarlet, Reeves, and Palmer. All those people are like the heads of Shinra, and you kind of get bits and pieces of that as you're walking through the visitor center. 
I'm not going to go into full detail of who's who and what's what. Hey, you'll have to play the game if you want to know that. Anyway, uh, Palmer specifically is talking about seeing Sephiroth in the building, and the rest of the group doesn't quite believe him. Uh, however, Hojo talks about plans to breed Aerith to make more ancients in order to secure the future of Shinra. And ultimately, they're trying to get the information about how to find the promised land. And Aerith isn't telling them. Hojo is given permission to use whatever force necessary to get that information. After the meeting, the group follows Hojo and sneaks into the lab behind him. And they end up finding Aerith, who is being held by Hojo as an experiment after fighting some of Hojo's monsters. They free her. The lock mechanism that Barrett breaks also opens up Red 13's cell, and Red jumps up and tries to attack Hojo. Uh, Hojo does end up getting away, but the group is able to meet Red 13 and realize that he can talk and that he's a good guy. I guess they just take his word for it. Oh no, I guess <laughs> I guess Aerith also like trusts him too. I would assume that they've had more time together. Cloud has another mental lapse where he starts seeing Sephiroth and he ends up passing out and the group moves him to Aerith's holding cell or her like room which is the same room that she was held in when she was there as a child. Cloud wakes up uh, in Aerith's room and asks Aerith about her being an ancient. She tells the group that Shinra had originally held her and her mom there captive because her mom was an original ancient, or Cetra, they're the same. Ancient is a word that Shinra uses for the people of the past, and Cetra is what the Cetra called themselves as the people of the past. And Aerith's mom was an original Cetra, and Aerith is like a half-Cetra. Anyway, she tells the group that her mom and her had been captive there, and every single day Hojo would take her mom away from her, doing who knows what kind of experiments on her, and then they eventually escaped. She knows that Shinra is trying really hard to find the promised land, but she tells the group that she's not able to tell Shinra where the promised land is, even if she wanted to. Barrett starts talking about how he wants to go fight Shinra or maybe find the president while the others escape. And as he starts talking about that, the ghosts show back up and Red calls these ghosts whispers or arbiters of fate. They get even worse as Aerith begins talking about a greater threat to the planet than just Shinra. Tifa kind of helps pull her into safety, and they have this moment of, like, we're gonna help you no matter what sort of deal, but the ghosts vanish. I think it was the opportunity for the developers to say, this is what the ghosts are, you know? They do go into a little more detail than that. Red tells the group that the Whispers are making sure that the people stay on course of their own fate. 
of their of their destiny. The others are kind of surprised by this that wait, there's an actual destiny and we're not allowed to stray from that destiny and essentially yes, that that's that's exactly it. There is a very specific set way that they're supposed to be doing things and as soon as they step out of line, the whispers come in and correct it in any way necessary. Which you know, you see it in bits and pieces as you're playing, like Cloud was supposed to go on that mission, so the ghost showed up to stop the mission altogether until Jesse sprained her ankle, and all of a sudden the ghost disappeared, allowing Cloud to go on the mission because he was supposed to. So, I don't know, little things like that. Hmm. Anyway, they all of a sudden get a call from Mayor Domino in Aerith's room via, like, Aerith's televisions, I guess. And the mayor uh, is with Wedge, and Wedge instructs the group to find the roof to escape via Avalanche HQ helicopter. So they set a goal to get to the top floor as they make their way to the top, they find the chamber with Genova in it. Cloud has another mental lapse where Sephiroth shows up, and Cloud tries to attack Sephiroth, but Sephiroth cuts the bridge that they're on, and Cloud falls into the depths below. Cloud has to make his way out of the drum, that the game calls it, where essentially Shinra is storing all of the old experiments. He ends up regrouping with the rest of his group, and Hojo uses the team to collect data, like battle data, uh, having them fight hordes of monsters. Eventually, Hojo is satisfied with their torment and allows the group to make their way back to the top, back to the Genova chamber. But they find out that Genova, she's not in her chamber anymore. And they find a trail of purple bubbling blood or something, liquid, <laughs> that they follow uh, to the top floor. Now, again, if you've never played this game before, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, they don't explain who Genova is or what the heck is going on. Like, you literally have no idea. Like, you know that Genova is like a secret, a, a super secret project that Shinra's been working on, but that's kind of the extent of it. You do see bits and pieces of Sephiroth carrying her through the building, so maybe you're supposed to make assumptions through that. I don't know. Anyway, they make their way with an elevator to the top floor. They expect to find the president, but they find that he's actually hanging off of the roof outside. Barrett pulls the president up, but in exchange for the president's life, he wants him to make a public statement to clear Avalanche's name and tell the people that Sector 7 was not their fault. Um, the president ends up pulling a gun on Barrett, but Sephiroth shows up and kills the president before uh, he's able to pull the trigger on Barrett. However, Sephiroth then impales Barrett, and the Whispers swoop in to try and heal Barrett and fight off Sephiroth. Sephiroth eventually transforms into Genova, and the group have to fight this Genova Dreamweaver monster. After Genova's defeated, uh, she transforms into a tattooed man, number 49. I don't know if that's relevant, but I put it in here. Then she transforms again back into her real body, which is the body that you saw in her holding cell. Sephiroth picks up Genova and escapes over the roof. The group try to follow him, but 
the avalanche helicopter that was supposed to evacuate them gets shot down by a Shinra helicopter. Rufus jumps from the Shinra helicopter. Rufus, who is the new president of Shinra, because he was President Shinra's dad. No, President Shinra's son. (laughs) (laughs) And again, they don't really specify that until a little bit later. But um, anyway, Cloud sends the rest of the group to run away while he fights Rufus on the rooftop. Rufus eventually ends up escaping via helicopter, and he shoots Cloud, who almost falls off the building. But Tifa runs back to save Cloud. I, I don't know if she was like waiting for him, or if she made a split decision and decided to go back for him. I don't know. Anyway... In the meantime, Barrett, Aerith, and Red are trying to make their way to the front door, and they're met by Heidegger, who blocks the way. All of a sudden, Cloud comes flying down the stairs on a motorcycle and runs over most of the Shinra guards. Tifa shortly follows behind him in a truck, where she picks up the rest of the group, and they smash a window to make an escape via the Midgar highways. We're almost done, guys. The Whispers surround the Shinra building and then eventually surround Midgar as a whole as the group is trying to escape. Shinra pursues the group via motorcycles and Cloud fights all of them off. At the end of the highway, Cloud sees Sephiroth and is forced to stop. The Whispers surround Sephiroth and block any way out of Midgar, but Sephiroth cuts a hole in time-space Uh, beckoning the group to fight their destiny. Aerith tells the group that Sephiroth has to be stopped. At any cost, Sephiroth is the worst thing. (laughs) He is the worst. The worst. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they get, like, glimpses of the future that she says that's the fate of the world if things are on the same course that they're currently on, but that they can fight destiny and she does something to Sephiroth's portal to turn it into, like, white flames. Anyway, they go through the portal to confront their destiny. Essentially, when they make it to the other side, all of the whispers condense into, like, a big whisper monster, and the group has to fight this whisper monster, and by doing so, they are opening up Destiny to be whatever it is that they make it to be. They do kill the Whisper, the Whisper, the Whisper. whisper. <laughs> Sephiroth shows up and seems to absorb all of the Whispers. Then all of a sudden, they're like in Midgar as the meteor comes crashing down. And Sephiroth shows up again and absorbs the meteor and then begins to attack Cloud. Cloud's able to hold off Sephiroth long enough for the rest of the group to find him and join the fight. Just as Sephiroth is defeated by the group, he attacks at Cloud and teleports them to the Dawn of Creation, where he tells Cloud that it's not time for either of them to die just yet, and he cryptically tells Cloud about there being seven seconds till the end, and he's curious to know what Cloud's going to do with it. So we have no idea what that means. All of a sudden, we're kind of teleported back to the real world, I guess. And the Whispers kind of 
blow up in a glittering shards falling from the sky. It's like daybreak and Midgar is fine now. And you see Biggs laying in a bed in Sector 5. Um, you also see Marlene in Aerith's house, uh, who's being called back by Elmira. But you also see Zack, who has just finished fighting off a dozen Shinra guards. If you don't know who Zack is, you wouldn't know who Zack is in this either. But he's alive still. And um, the group being back on the bridge, Cloud tells them that he has to continue pursuing Sephiroth. And the rest of the group agrees to help him do that. And just as they walk away from Midgar, you as the player get a glimpse of Zack carrying Cloud into Midgar. So it's kind of left at that. (laughs) And then that's the end of the game. So like, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Hopefully I explained it somewhat well. There's a lot of plot holes in here that if you didn't if you don't know the original story of the game, you may not understand it. But there's enough information here that as they build on the story, maybe it'll fill in some of these holes. So if you were to play it again after the story finishes, this would make a lot more sense. But we'll we won't know until we get the rest right. of the story. <laughs> All right, so if you're just joining us back after skipping the story, welcome back. Um, we're going to start talking about our thoughts of the story, which is a little bit different than telling you the story. So um, I- I'm going to let you start, Kaylee, because I've talked plenty already. But wh- <laughs> what do you think of the story? Man, I don't, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier. I, I really don't know because it's so... You knew that this game was going to be different. Like, you knew that they were going to add stuff to the story when they were making this game. So it doesn't, it obviously doesn't follow along with the story itself, like the original, original. Well, if you, if you look at it from like a bullet point sort of view, like as a whole, it follows the main story arc of the original game really, really well. Like it really does. They add bits and pieces like Jesse's mission and the train graveyard that they super extended and um, like the the speed demon guy that they added. But like overall, as a as a full story arc, it fits perfectly fine with what the original had the offer. You know, I guess it really depends on not that we have to get right into it exactly, but how you interpret the end. Yeah. Because as of right now, Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse is assumed to be alive. Well, they could be. Wedge, Wedge and Biggs are definitely alive. Jesse is a question mark. And the only way that you would know if Jesse is alive, uh, the only the only clue that you're given about Jesse being alive or not is a pair of gloves that are sitting on the counter next to uh, Biggs when you see him, sure. like trying to recover so like obviously they want you to know that biggs is alive and obviously they want you to know that that wedge is alive because wedge has been helping you but um you know it's it it's definitely different from the original (laughs) i they they did follow really really closely to it you know you did a lot of your don corneo stuff your bombing like you know it did stick to it it's just I, I don't know. That ending is such a big, yeah. It's such a big, big mind blow. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a big change from the original. 
So let's let's kind of talk about the ending a little bit. Um, probably not a little bit. Probably a lot of it. Um, <laughs> so first off, what is your interpretation of the ghosts or the whispers? What what do you feel about those guys? What what are they? I I I mean, as far as what they said, I mean, I I really don't know. Arbiter arbiters of fate. <laughs> So the common, my interpretation of this is that they are trying to preserve the original timeline of the original game. Right. And the way, what, what actually jumped out at me one, one morning I woke up and I'm like, you know, I had that moment, but I think that the whispers are all of the players that played the original game and Essentially, one of those whispers is you. One of those whispers are, is me trying to help the group preserve the original storyline. If that means we have to bring Barrett back to life, or if that means we have to push Wedge you know, into another room to stop him from helping the group. It's, it's all about preservation of the original game. And I think that this, this is probably more of a... Um, a developer mindset or for, for the developers, like a, a deeper meaning of what these whispers could be. But think of the, like the development team and the f- struggle that they have with deviating from the storyline whatsoever. Like, because anytime they thought about deviating from the storyline, they probably saw thousands of original players who were fighting back at them to not deviate from the storyline. So, you know, in some ways the developers are letting the, the final fantasy seven people, the final fantasy seven characters at the very end of the game, letting them stop the fate that they are, that they've already been given by the original game, allowing them to do whatever it is that they need to do in this new remake world. So that's kind of my interpretation of them. They're like, it's the, the definition that the game gives you is arbiters of fate, which essentially is, and, and you see it as the ghosts are helping the team along the way. They're preserving that timeline. Sure. But, <clears throat> in in a deeper sense, I see that being you know one of those whispers could be me, and I would I would want to you know preserve that timeline as as faithfully as possible. But now here at the end of the game, it could be anything. Who knows what's going to happen in the next game? It's it's up to the characters, sort of. I guess well, the more I thought about it, and I'm not so sure I'm stuck with this theory myself. I thought more it's possible um, we know <laughs> however they intend to tell how the live stream is. If I assume that maybe in this version of Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth has I don't wanna I don't want I don't wanna bring time travel into this, but like this is an alternate route that Sephiroth has taken and the Arbiters of Fate are supposed to keep it on track, which is the original game as we know it. Mm -hmm. And he is trying to go back. He has seven seconds till the end, maybe. And that he's trying to change the outcome of what has already happened, which is our original game. 
Yeah, and I have contemplated that being a possibility where this game isn't necessarily a remake as it is a sequel from Sephiroth's and maybe even Aerith's point of view. Someone once told me, well, actually Brandon knew a friend who said that they thought that this was actually a sequel to Advent Children, uh, which I thought was interesting. I I don't know. I think, I, I think I'm sticking to my theory. I think that Sephiroth has, has already, it's already happened that Sephiroth is seven seconds away from the end of the original game. He's gone back to try to change whatever has happened. And now these arbiter, that's why I think that Sephiroth knows who's who cloud is at the beginning, because in the original game, he doesn't even act like he knows who cloud is because I think in the original, he's supposed to be Genova or, and he still might be, I don't know. Right. But I, I don't know. It, it, it would explain a few things and, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Well, I do think it's interesting though. That, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but I thought it was interesting that they called the Genova that you're fighting a uh, Dreamweaver. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it'll become more clear in another game possibly. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it, it is one of those things like, you know, you're noticing these things and where could they go with this? And we just don't have all the pieces yet. Right. Right. Well, going back to the like con- the the sequel aspect, uh, the thing is that both Aerith and Sephiroth have some sort of knowledge of the original game, or at least the original game's events. So, like, they know what their fate is supposed to be, and that's kind of why Aerith is okay with fighting her own destiny because she knows where it's going to lead her. But she also knows that, you know, the planet would be okay at the end. However, Sephiroth knows that he is potentially going to die in the end. So, you know, he's coming back to mm-hmm. try and force the timeline into what he wants it to be. And it's up to the group to, you know, stop him. But it's just, I guess the thing that bugs a lot of people the most is that they're adding in elements of time travel in the way of frustrating. Like I'm okay with like Sephiroth time traveling, I guess I'm okay with Aerith knowing the future, I guess, but Adding in this like Zach thing is really weird to me because is he alive? I don't know. It's almost like it's a different universe, and here's why. So like the okay, so the original story of Zach, Zach becomes uh, a soldier. He meets with Cloud, who's not a soldier. They go off and they do stuff, and they end up getting caught by Shinra and experimented on. They wake up, they escape Shinra, and Zack helps Cloud make his way to Midgar. But Shinra, Shinra guards are at the Midgar gates and gun down Zack, killing right. him, for sure killing him. And Cloud picks up Zack's sword and That's, forces yeah. him, himself into Midgar. <clears throat> and 
that's that's how it's supposed to go. However, in this game, it's they not. show he's, they show Zach <laughs> they show Zach, and it's kind of like while you're fighting the Arbiters of Fate that they're showing this these clips of Zach actually fighting back the Midgar, you know troops that are blocking the way and then carry cloud into midgar the biggest thing and it's something that they that the developers really highlighted was that stamp in the original as you're playing through this game stamp is this like dog that is like um He's kind of like a mascot. Uh, he's a mascot for the Midgar recruiters or whatever. But Avalanche uses the stamp like paintings to help them, uh, help Navigate. guide them through the tunnels or whatever. But anyway, he's a very specific breed of dog. And when you see the Zack timeline stuff, there's this like flyer that flies in front of the camera and freezes for like a second and it's a different breed of stamp dog and i feel like that this is the the developer's way of saying this is yet another alternate timeline where zach presumably lives i see and it's from that aspect, it gets really stupid because it's it's too confusing. Like keep it keep it simple, keep it straightforward. If you're gonna change it, just change it and be done with it. Like don't do this whole like here's the timeline that you're used to. Oh wait, no, this actually happened, and now here's that timeline. No wait, this actually happened. Well, here's this timeline. It does seem like a lot of people are feeling like that Final Fantasy, it's not so much that they've remade the original but it's just a retelling of the original and uh, yeah that this would be an alternate well and if you think about it there's a point where red says where you see all the glimpse of like the future <laughs> the future and he says it's a glimpse of tomorrow should we fail today well it was the glimpses of what had happened in the original game right exactly if they failed which they did not in this instance right so all Effectively, they've just, yes, they've changed the course of everything, which which is weird because you see Zack approaching Midgar, which is covered in the whispers. Which is in the past before they killed the Arbiters of Fate. So, like, I, I'm guessing how, how does that work? <laughs> it, if I had, I, I don't know. Because right, yeah, we're surrounded the Midgar building. So are they surrounding the Midgar building because now time is, like, everything's changing now because of what is, what has just been done? I don't know. Yeah, I, nobody I, knows. I, <laughs> right now it's all speculation and we won't, we won't have any idea of what the heck is going on until the end. But I feel like this is very Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh yeah. Now we we haven't played Final Fantasy 13 and I I I don't think you've even played Final Fantasy 13. Not a whole lot. I just I've, know I've pieces. played it on my own when it was originally released and Final Fantasy 13 great game. Solid storyline. They have a very solid story plot from beginning to end just like the original Final Fantasy 7. Then they bring in 132 
And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, no. The things that you know of the ending of Final Fantasy thirteen that didn't actually happen. What actually happened is now time travel is possible. And it's just <laughs> like, what? Like... You can't do that to us. Like We're the original fragile. the original <laughs> game is so solid in real world mechanics and real world physics and to change it to be this like super science fiction is like right. It's it changes it changes things to a way that I don't personally enjoy. Like, you know, I don't want my storyline to be convoluted and super confusing. Like, I just want a, these are these sequences of events. Like, give me that. That's what I want. It is, is kind of, this is what I was telling my husband last night. It, it makes Final Fantasy VII, which I realize it's a Final Fantasy. Right, yeah. I but know. it gave it more fantasy than or even science fiction, like you said, it, the original game is so with the given, with what they've given, like the materia system, the live stream, like it seemed like a plausible regular world where when you're throwing in time travel, it just seems so out of place even. And yeah. I didn't like it. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's, that's where I'm going with that too. Like, I, I, I accept I, that as an okay way to tell a story because look at like Chrono Trigger, like they did that beautifully, you know, yeah. it, th that storytelling was just fine, but I think it's because it, it jumps so far out of our expectations that it's just like this, what WTF, you right. know, like just, you're just totally mind blown and you're left with this like, huh? Why right. did they do this to my beloved game? <laughs> right, yes. So, you know I mean... What? Even things like Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge being alive, I, I could even accept that because you don't really know what happened. You don't see them at the you know, in the yeah, original. Yeah, I know. I felt and the like, same way. Doing, doing that kind of stuff, and like I thought that they were going to really reel in what they've built around Final Fantasy VII as far as the prequels and the sequels and all that. I, that's what I was hoping, not this Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's exactly crap. it. That's exactly <laughs> it. They're they're taking that that concept of Kingdom Hearts of just being utterly confusing, trying to tell some like stupid storyline that makes no sense now. <laughs> I uh, mean, so until the very end, <laughs> like I was accepting every single thing. Like every single thing that happened was just like, oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. okay. Like it it fits. Like like you said, Biggs, Jesse, and Wedge had they survived. Like yeah, I mean I suppose they, they could have. They would have fit perfectly in with when they returned to Midgar. Like even that even the, even all the side quest stuff and the Jesse mission. It's like well yeah, I mean there might be right. more time in between these days to be able to fill in a bunch of these side quests or at night. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely possible that Jesse would need clouds help. Like, yeah, it's not in the original, but it's not like they're, they're utilizing time gaps to fill more storyline. What again, perfectly fine with that. And then they throw it at the end where it's like, no, 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 no. The entire game that you love. No, that didn't happen. Now it's this weirdness. <laughs> like, 
What? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I have to say, I was disappointed. I had heard I was content until, until the end. I had heard rumors that the game went into a very odd direction at the end. And while I was playing this the first time, I'm like, okay, when's it coming? Okay, we're here at right. the end. When's it coming? And then, like, it hit, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> what? Like, why? <laughs> and then, okay, so now, think of it this way. You fight Sephiroth, right? At the very end of the game, you have to have, like, a, an ultimate fight. You fight Sephiroth. So what are they going to do this at the end of each game, where you got this showdown with Sephiroth yet again? Like, obviously, you have to have a showdown with Sephiroth at the very, very end of the game, so that's at least well, one I other game. So it's like at the end of each game, we're just going to have a Sephiroth fight. No, like that's stupid. I think what they were doing was trying to parallel the end of the other game. Maybe I, because it was very cinematic to the original game. Uh, in some he aspects. wasn't shirtless, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that that's what they were trying to do. Like this is, you entered that alternate whatever and you're changing like you you beat Sephiroth but he kind of just disappears or whatever I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know I I really feel like that that end was the very very end was reminiscent of the the showdown between the two of them at the original game yeah at the end of the original game right I don't know yeah it's there's so much <sighs> yeah there's there's a lot going on like I said Aside from that part, like if it had just ended, let's say it just ended at the motorcycle chase, I would have been very, very content with this game. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? honestly, I was okay with the ghost storyline, the whisper storyline, because I kind of assumed that, okay, we have to have some big bad guy at the very end of the game to fight. So I just kind of thought that they were trying to incorporate this big bad guy at the very end. So then you have the like whisper fight. And then after the whisper fight, things kind of go back to normal, but no, it's like the whisper fight happened and it's like, Nope, now anything could happen. It's like, wait, what? Speaking like, no, no, no. Whispers, let me just have the whispers kill me then. <laughs> what bothers me about the whispers too is, is that everyone can see them. And at first no one can, but everyone, even the people, like when, when they're attacking, um, like sector, sector seven. seven and stuff yeah. like everyone can see them and you can see them surrounding the Midgar building. Well, they're not doing that all across the world, but I think just think that's kind of weird. I don't know. I, <laughs> I've wondered if it had to do with when, when I originally played the game and even the second time through, I kind of thought that it had to do with Aerith because cloud Cloud didn't see them until after he touched Aerith. And then all of a sudden he could see them where like the Shinra soldiers who were right next to them couldn't see these ghosts. So I kind of thought that maybe Aerith had something to do with it. Again, going back to this like sequel thought, like if, if once Aerith and Sephiroth entered the live stream, they were able to manipulate time space and go back to the beginning and start over again which introduced this like eye opening to you know multiple timelines and you know but then by cloud touching Aerith now he can see them but yeah it doesn't make any sense because 
Barrett well, never touched them, and yet Barrett can see all of the ghosts, you know, before you about, do the second it, bombing mission. It could very well be that when he touched her, it initiated the first contact, the first meeting of the two of them. I suppose, yeah. And and as, now everybody he encounters ahead well, of that. And the farther the farther the game goes on, the more they get involved and the more that time is about to I guess change. I wonder <laughs> things are cha- people- things are changing well, on the fly. I wonder if er- because Aerith comes back. Okay, say say for example, she in the original game, she dies and then she comes back to this timeline, to this remake timeline with Sephiroth and every single person, every single person that she influences from that point on has the potential to change and alter destiny, causing the arbiters of fate to be more and more pronounced. So she sees cloud cloud sees Barrett, Tifa wedge, Jesse, those people see other people, those people see other people. And eventually all of Midgar is corrupted by this destiny altering issue. I think it's more, I think that it's more of like the butterfly effect. Right. Well, that's that's similar to what I'm saying. The more, more, let's say clouds destiny is changed. Therefore that affects the few people that he might've changed at one point. And then they go on and then they go on. And the more these wisps, whispers have to be appearing to the people and like the more that they have to make the the more that they have to force the timeline into its place so they need more whispers they they attacked sector seven first and we know that the pillar falls on sector seven so it could be that that's why all of those people in sector seven could see them and then it just says the game goes on the more people whose lives are affected by whatever yeah I have heard, though, that one of the theories is that Ares is actually the Ares from the other timeline, too. So are we just accepting the timeline, the time time travel as the plausible? <laughs> uh, right now, it's all just speculation, and it's fun to kind of talk about and theorize about. But, like, nobody knows. Because... I don't even think the developers know. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think that they know what they're gonna do. I think that what they wanted to do is they wanted to tell the original story, and they felt like they were being blocked by the fandom that is Final Fantasy VII. And by doing it this way, now the rest of the game, it can be whatever they want it to be because of the way that they told this game. Like it was super faithful to the original. And now it's completely not, and anything can happen from here on out. So I think that that's what they're trying to do is open it up to whatever they want, which Brandon again I don't agree me, with. But you know, Brandon was telling me, and I don't know where he got this, but he's made it sound like that they're gonna try and make the rest of the game follow the rest of the timeline. So I, <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, still, certain events have to happen. I mean, certain certain things still have to hold true because of the way that they set things up. Like, Rufus is still the head of Shinra right now. He's still going to have an inaugural session. He's still, you know, Sephiroth is still going to make his way towards the, the crater where his actual body is supposedly at. So, like, those things are still going to hold true, 
so they still have to follow in a general timeline of that sense but i i i my biggest question mark is what the heck is with zach like it keeps coming back to that like i'm okay with things changing from here on out but like why are we going back in time there's no need for that i don't want a zach storyline where he lives i don't want to see that i don't care well that's the thing too even with biggs wedge and jesse while I think it's fine if they live, like I said, they, they really could fall better together when you return to Midgar. But as far as Zach's concerned, I felt like that his tragic death was just a big piece of the, the game. Well, he's a big piece of Cloud. Because right. Cloud is so different because Zach died. Cloud has this sword because Zach died. Cloud has, you know, he found Tifa because Zach died. Like, it... Aerith, Aerith is who she is because Zach never came back to see her. Like so many things are, uh, so many things get messed up when you bring Zach back. So it's like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It just, it's so weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I I will be kind of upset if Zach is still alive. I'm going to be honest. Well, it makes me wonder if they're going to try and tell like a sub storyline of a timeline when Zach was alive. But again, I don't want to see that like that. That doesn't interest me whatsoever. Like, it's kind of fun to like think about a little bit, but like, I would rather the develop the developers' efforts be in some of these other aspects than telling another sub Zach storyline. Right. Like I, I don't care about that. I would rather see the graphics improved. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather see the gameplay work better than to have Zach still be alive and have efforts be on that. So I, what's inter- what's crazy too is if you've played Final Fantasy VII for the first time on this. I I wonder how their impression of the game would be. A lot of this would either A, go over their head, or B, confuse them more. (laughs) I'm curious about people who are playing this without playing the original game. I mean... Lori kind yeah, Lori Lori kind of told me that she thought that it made some sense and that she liked it as for what it is. Um, But, I mean, there's got to be confusion in there, like, who the heck is Genova? Like, they don't explain anything about Genova. Like, not that they necessarily have to, but that's a big plot hole for an entire game. (laughs) In the original, doesn't Cloud just kind of quickly explain about Genova? Just the fact that Shinra's been holding her? Like, he doesn't even acknowledge that it's Genova when he sees it, does he? I can't even remember now. There's just so much at the the, end to take in. In the original, Cloud sees Genova and tells Barrett and Tifa, oh, that's Genova. It's, uh, I think, a lab or um, a science experiment of Shinra. And then, like, Genova starts killing everybody and makes their way to the top and they find Sephiroth. But, like, from Cloud's point of view and really the rest of the team, it's Sephiroth doing these things right not jenova jenova has no like there's bits and pieces of it in there for if you know but like they're trying to tell that story of jenova has left but it looks like it's just sephiroth where in this one it's like it looks jenova is a bigger presence in this game so it's like it seems a lot more confusing where like we know because we know the original storyline. So it's like we know that Sephiroth is 
making an effort to escort Genova back to the crater. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It does seem weird. However, what I thought what I thought was really interesting is they are using the Genova clones, which is what the number um, right. forty nine and there's a number two. Like forty nine is a Genova clone, and he is used by Sephiroth and manipulated by Sephiroth, and even takes the form of Sephiroth, right, and then becomes this Genova um, Dreamweaver Genova. And when the team kills the Dreamweaver Genova, he transforms back into Genova. And then a second um, uh, second uh, Genova clone, number two, picks up Genova as Sephiroth and carries her outside and flies off the, the right. Shinra building. So it's like, I, I like that involvement of these these clones clones yeah are they're they're not genova clones they're They're sephiroth clones or i don't know anyway they're they're people who are infected by genova cells um that's that's what these are that's what they were in the original too and like they made it seem like sephiroth could control those people but in this game it's very much like those people are essentially Sephiroth's body that he is able to jump in and out of. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept. (sighs) (laughs) So outside of the ending, um, what did you think of like the Jesse's mission? I, I liked the Jesse mission. It was a nice little, I really liked Jesse. Altogether, I love Jesse. She was so like sweet and fun, and like I liked that she was flirty. Yeah, she was like, a little bit flirty, and Cloud was just like, "Are you really that desperate?" Like it was just, it was so funny. She was flirty in a way though that wasn't cringy or like she just it was, it was flirty as in that's just her. That's just Jesse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's she wasn't it was flirty in the like traditional anime flirty. Well, she like, wasn't trying to boobs actually, in your face yeah, and I like guess. she was really just like being just being silly. Yeah, 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 exactly. She's just being a a fun, silly person. I liked the story that they gave her and I liked how she came from a higher class of family and is now in the slums doing all this stuff. Do you know her entire story? Did you catch up on did you catch that? I I think so. She after okay, so her family um her family lives in the sector seven top plate because her father works in a reactor, I think. Yeah. And um she leaves to go to um the gold saucer. The gold saucer. And she is actually the princess in the play at the gold saucer. Well, after her dad had her had his accident, she became a stagehand instead of the lead actress in the in the play. Mm-hmm. And from their knowledge, she is still an actress. I somewhere somehow she's still an actress. Or no, she's, she's still a stagehand. She's still a stagehand, but is only able to come to town once in a while. And she brings Biggs and Wedge as other stagehands. So like they don't know that she's living just underneath them, and or, or 
her right. mom. Her mom doesn't know that they're she's living just underneath them, but they also don't know that she's like part of this big resistance, you know. Right. So it's I, it's just a, it's an interesting subplot that I appreciated. <laughs> I yeah, I definitely appreciated the little bits of even better to get to know Biggs and Wedge. Um, I I I don't know. I I think it it. It's kind of what I was hoping that they would do, and I, I kind of knew that they would as far as just getting them more backstory because they were kind of important characters. But, you know, when in the original, I didn't like Jessie because she seemed kind of boring. Yeah. And she was kind of, you could tell she liked Cloud in the original, but it was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Where this was more... Straightforward. Well, This was just well done. The beginning sure. was definitely well done. That part. <laughs> yeah. I oh. I liked her little side mission that you go on, um, where you have to, like, cause a ruckus in the annex. Um, however, the speed demon guy was really cheesy. He was really yeah, cheesy. Yeah, he was really bad. But he follows suit to the other first-class soldiers in Crisis Core. Because if you remember, in Crisis Core, I, I, you played the game, right? Yeah, but it's been a long time. I wish I had played it before this. Uh, I I do too. Um, all of the Shinra's first class soldiers in Crisis Core were wonky and weird and right. bizarre and acted strange, and he fit this so well. It was so funny. And in fact, Reno, when you first meet Reno in the church, he says to Cloud, "Well, you're weird enough to be one." <laughs> and you know again going back to that you know these first class right. soldiers are so bizarre so you know it was just interesting to see that i think it's good that they added one too because it makes sense the, well yeah in the original game the only soldier you other know is zach and he's dead yep. and you know they exist but you don't actually see them you know right. and it, it would make sense that there would be more that you should be able to face. And I think that's good that they've, they've added that as much as I didn't like him. I think that it was good that they did add him. All, all of the motorcycle engine car puns (laughs) in his dialogue. (laughs) He was, he was a character. His voice. Yeah. So funny. Yep. Another thing that was interesting about this game, um, is the extra, tidbits that you get about soldier in general um at one point president shinra is talking to the group and notices that cloud used to be a soldier and he says that they don't live long enough because of the the transformations to their body that they don't live very long right and that most of them die before they have a chance to leave the army so like I see. it's interesting to get that tidbit you know I don't I don't remember exactly the wording but I remember that being said that they don't because of the transformations to their body they don't live very long. That reminds me, did you notice that Hojo seems to act like he knows who Cloud is? Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that. I thought that was interesting that they put it so far cuz I don't think he knew it until later on, but I he, think it's good that they added it in the beginning here. He recognized in the original he recognized cloud as a failed experiment and then like much later towards the very end of the game hojo's like now i realize that you're the experiment that finally succeeded sort of thing like i don't know so that that was kind of odd too 
Well, but are we done with story? Do you want to stop? I think so. <laughs> I think that, I mean, there's, we could sit here honestly for a really long oh, time. Oh, I know. And it's well, already been almost two seven. hours of story. So <laughs> yeah. What did you give it? I gave it an eight. I gave it an eight as well. <laughs> Again, you know, it, it's a really good story and it does fit very faithfully to the original, but that ending throws such a curveball. So and if, they, if they ended it at the the race, if they had ended it with you fighting that boss or the, he's not a boss, the, the Arbiter of Fate. The, no, 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 oh. not even that. If they had ended it after the motorcycle chase. Oh, yeah, yeah. What would you have rated this if they didn't include any of that at the end? If you had just now we go on to Midgar or out of Midgar, what would you rate it? Um, I think I would rate it higher, but I would have definitely felt the need of a bigger boss fight at the end. I think I think if they'd have kept the story the way it currently is and ended it with fighting the Arbiters of Fate but not have the Arbiters of Fate be so detrimental to the overall storyline. Like, have mm-hmm. them be there as a wonky thing that's going on, but introduce them as, instead of, like, these ethereal beings, to have yeah. them be more like Shinra experiments that have gotten loose, and at the very end they, they collide and make this colossal monster that you have to fight. I would have been okay with that. And then yeah. not have Sephiroth whatsoever. Like, Sephiroth flees and you don't see him again. Right. That's how I would have wanted the ending to be. That would have been pretty close to a 10 for me but because they added this like super altering craziness at the very end i just it's not it's not what i expected which is fine but it's not at all i don't like that multiple timeline multiple dimension i don't like that storytelling so to me it was a put off for sure i wonder if when when like 50 years from now that this game has finally had its final release and we're at its final podcast if we should review the entirety of the game altogether oh yeah we definitely should yeah and we I absolutely think that should I'm, i would like to hope that we can look back at this podcast and be like oh. wow if we only knew i know yeah <laughs> i hope so too in a good way <laughs> So let's move on to graphics, if you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What'd you give it? So I gave it an 8 out of 10 for graphics. Oh. What did you give it? I gave it a 9. Um, Come as, on. A, as a whole, <laughs> it looks really, 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 really good. And they absolutely took the the original... Um, what, what little bit of the original game you could see and you can experience, they absolutely translated that into a 3d world beautifully spot on. It looks great. And it's so faithful to the original that it made me feel good playing every single area of this game. The biggest downfall for me was the backgrounds and some of the textures that, Yes. You know, popping in and out, that that's that's a hardware issue. I, I that's okay. But there are backdrops that are just pixelated. 
And there's I no know. reason for that. Zero reasons for a pixelated background. So that that was like the biggest, but there were uh, there were other things and we'll, we'll we'll go through them. But the backgrounds were the my number one issue with this game. So like if you're in the if you're in the slums and you look up and you look at the top plate, that is like the final background to your to your scene. And it makes sense for it, it makes some sense for it to be a little bit on the hazy side because it's so far away or like a little bit blurry cuz it might be out of focus, but it's so grainy and it's so like you can literally you see pixels where there should be like millions of pixels in that section. Um probably the worst offender is when you're climbing the sector 7 rubble to go to the Shinra headquarters and you look down um, amongst the like rubble and that rubble kind of wraps up to the top plate as well. It's so pixelated and it looks absolutely horrible. And in fact, they have, um, they have, bits of fire that are burning amongst the rubble and the fire, even though it's teeny tiny and you can barely see it, it's got better resolution than (laughs) the background itself. So it just looks weird. It looks so bizarre. Some of the things that I would suggest if, if Square Enix is listening and I know they're not, but (laughs) I would suggest adding more layers to that background layer. If you can't make that background layer resolution big enough to be able to fit that screen, make more physical layers within that, that aren't maybe the best resolution, but they're so far away. You can't tell, you know, to just add depth to it because as you're moving, there's no depth to that background because it's a background. It's a static background. It just, Ah, it just bugged the crap out of me when I'm sitting there staring at these literal pixels on the screen when the, the ground next to cloud, you can see cigarette butts. Like, it's so good that you can see the detail of the you. cigarette butt, and then you look the at the sky and it looks terrible. Is. Well, and the, the thing about this game, the number one thing for a lot of people was updated graphics. This game was supposed to be beautiful. You know, that was... <laughs> and for the most part it is and it but that's the thing that i'm saying though <laughs> the, like you said the cigarette butts you there's so many like little such fine de- i feel like the very beginning everything was beautiful and it just slowly progressively was just like eh. oh oh why did they make this choice sort of yeah deal. yeah but i mean and then on the other hand though what is beautiful even like when you're with barrett and you you're fighting through all those like flying bugs and stuff and Mm -hmm. all of the like goo (laughs) and all the nests and just even some of it looked disgusting and it was so it's good yeah yeah that's that's it it looks it looks believable it doesn't look like a pixelated mess (laughs) and i don't know they did so so good in spots and then yeah when they fell through it's like (sighs) yeah it's disappointing it really is. Um, Most because that was the biggest. <laughs> if you were going to do something right, that was the number one. I, to me, one of the number one important things to get right. That said, 
the backgrounds like at night looked really cool. Oh yeah. And had they been like higher resolution, it would be amazing. It's just, ah, just so sucky. Like (laughs) the, the night looking up into the sky in the slums at night, you can see the plate. You can see all the like twinkling lights in the plate looks amazing. You can even see like out in the distance. Sometimes you can see the reactors and like the, the Mako like sparkles shooting out from the reactors. It just, it looks so good. And then you have this terribly pixelated background. (laughs) They're just like, why? Oh man. The Shinra building. I loved Me the too. Shinra building. It, Me too. They did so good on that. Even the rubble, like, or the, in the slums, like, all of the garbage. Yep. Like, some of those were so good. Yep, yep. And while you're climbing to the Shinra headquarters, the rubble that you're, like, walking through, it looks so believable. And, like, the rubble kind of falls off of the, the buildings as you're walking through. And at one point, you're on, like, this narrow, like, um... It's like a scaffolding that's like stretched out into the air and you're walking on it and you notice that it has a sway to it. It looks so yeah. neat. It's so cool. I will say, though, what was disappointing was the mechanics of the like stray items. Like it's one thing when you can walk by and just kind of casually knock down a chair, but when you're like just tipping a rock and it goes flying. <laughs> yeah, or like huge metal eye beams. Yeah, like- and like you're just knocking them around like they're styrofoam. Yeah, I was kind of sad about that too. Like make yeah. it make it wood or make it something else that's not so But it made more sense what they included like the scaffolding and everything it looked great. It made sense that it was there, but I I guess just the things that are movable don't make it scaffolding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another thing that really bugged me about this game's graphics was the NPCs. Uh, the NPC duplications. Oh my gosh, that's right. I'm yeah. knocking down my score. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm knocking it down. Yep. I sent you a video. Um, There's in Sector 6. You go into this building. There is, I think, three sets of reusable NPCs next to each other. The old people. The and old then right man the and the door, old woman. Over yes. and over in the and same you room. The door and there's like two or three more sets. Yep. It, it, and I, I would even feel different about it if they had scattered them out. But they set them right next to each I other. I know. Like, like we wouldn't vicinity. notice. <laughs> it was so bad. And that really made me upset too. It was like they didn't even freaking try. They're like, oh, maybe we'll put, we'll put more old people NPCs <laughs> in later and then forgot. It, that's <laughs> really what yeah. it seemed like. It was definitely lazy. Absolutely. Like, There's no reason. Like I can, I can in, in some stupid storytelling way, I can see where the developers were like, well, we need this backdrop, but all we have is this low resolution from the art department. We're just going to have to throw it in here because it's all we have. Where the NPCs, to just put the old person next to the same right. old, they might as well just line up all six of them on the bench I, all the same. Like, there's no reason. They practically did. I know. Honestly, it would have made more sense if they just didn't include that many people in that room. Yes, it, I agree. There was... I think I think that Square Enix has had this problem before that I've noticed um, with Final Fantasy 15 and maybe some of the others 
where the NPCs are way too duplicated. And it doesn't make sense when you have um, random number generators built into the game. Use those random number generators on the NPCs. So, like, a two for the hair is a certain hairstyle. Right. And then you get a different face. And then you do, you get a different shirt outfit. And then you, you can switch between male and female. Or if they have to be old, have, like, six different old faces. Have six different old hairstyles. And right. at least, yeah, it might be the same face next to each other, but the shirts are a little different, so they just kind of look, Honestly, look alike. Honestly, yeah, if they at least even then, just changed their clothes, it would have even been different, but yeah. It, it would have just been very, in my opinion, I'm not a game developer, so I don't know, but in <laughs> my, my opinion, I feel like it would have been easy enough to randomly generate NPCs in very specific locations. Yeah, when you walk by, it might be a different person. They might look a little different. That makes sense, though, doesn't it? When you're in a densely populated area, you walk by, someone might be using the telephone there, and you walk by 10 minutes later, a different person might be using that same telephone. That makes sense. <sighs> it just, it's so dumb when you're walking through and it's like, oh, there's that lady with the same shorty shorts and the <laughs> green hoodie. Oh, there's that same lady with the same shorty shorts and the green hoodie. You know, it's just it silly. Was... No, it's tragic. It, it is. Just, yeah, it really is. It, it, that, that really, that is one of the first things that bothered me. I remember sending you a message like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I remember you showing me that. It, you know, and the thing that I have told you that I'm sure you agree with, when they announced Final Fantasy VII, it was, it doesn't matter how long it takes them as long as they do it right. I agree. They did us dirty. If they'd, <laughs> if they'd have pushed this out another year, yeah, I would have been upset because I really wanted this game. But overall, like, they had already pushed it out once. So it's like, I was okay with that because I want them to make the right. best game possible. I would have much rather had them push this out another year and had beautiful yep. 4K backdrops that looked amazing and NPCs that didn't duplicate in every single room and just make it look so good. Maybe then I would have oversaw some of the stupidness that they did to the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> So some of the other things that I thought looked really good, the summons all looked amazing. Yeah. There wasn't very many you, of them, but they were really cool. Did you get Bahamut and Leviathan? No, they have Leviathan too. That's what I thought. What? I had no idea until no. I was doing something. Someone's like, "Did you get Leviathan?" Like, what? No, yes, I, I have. No idea. I I only got Shiva, Ifrit, um, Choco Mog. And fat chocobo. Yeah. And like to be fair, though, I didn't like 100% the game. And like, I played it through on my main account and then I played it a second time through for Twitch. So, like, I haven't really had a chance to 100% it and find everything. So, no, I didn't get all of the summons, but I. It blows my mind that there is Leviathan. Like, I knew that Bahamut was in this, but Leviathan, too? That's I'm amazing. Not, I'm not even sure how... I know that he's a VR uh, mission, but I don't know what it is quite yet. I just... I had seen that just, just not that long ago, and I was like, oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be amazing. Leviathan's gotta look awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of wish that the dead monsters would stay longer. Like, after yeah, you kill them, they disappear a little bit too quick. The one there was one that stayed 
indefinitely and that was abzu and you were able to like walk by him and really nope. inspect him and i loved that about yeah, like that 15 fun. final fantasy 15 the monsters would stay for quite a while and you would you you could kind of like inspect them and really look at them and like like the um behemoths in 15 you could like pose with them and take pictures and stuff and yeah. this game they like disappear right away and it's like no i wanted I to look at them well it's part of the fun it- they know you know where the uh, the boundary is as far as where you flee. I don't understand why they couldn't dis- disappear after that point. Right. Yep. Yep. I don't. Th- there shouldn't be any reason, but you know it is. Yeah, what it is. that was a little sad because there was a few of them that you really needed to have a better look at, and you know you're sometimes you're too busy fighting to just sit and admire. You know what I right. mean? But I thought that it was smart of them to force cloud's animation to avoid his sword clipping through items or through like uh, objects so i like, have a picture when when he sits down on a bench he like lifts his oh, sword yeah. and sits down and in and it, it they actively avoid his sword clipping through stuff because it's so huge it just does and like there's another point where he's sitting in seventh heaven on the bench and he like walks a very specific way to avoid his sword from hitting the bench. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it was nice to see that they made some effort. effort. However, there were quite a few spots where he's sitting down and the sword's like completely clipping yes. through the machine next to you or whatever. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is though, is I guess it wouldn't be too hard to base it off of the biggest sword he has, but he has a lot of interchangeable swords. Yeah. And I mean, whatever I had equipped was in the animation of stuff. Yeah, and I liked cool. that too. That the the equipment changed in your in your, your cutscene. Yeah, like well, everything. Like if you changed your sword, it was like that for whatever. You know, if right. you're doing the final cutscene, that's your sword. If you're doing, you know, the it it didn't matter. It changed with whatever equipment you had is what you had in you know, no matter the, what scene I you were in. Say, that should be an expectation for games these days now. Agreed. That yeah. should just be the new standard. But I'm glad that they did because well, even just because as, it should be doesn't mean they do it. Even as far as adding the materia in there, like yeah, I that, loved that that thought was so like nice. Oh, what'd you think about their frog versions? They were super. Oh yeah, I did because I was frog like half the time in the freaking sewers. (laughs) But yeah, they are really cute. They are so cute. I love them. They are so stinking cute. Cloud with his little sword on his back. And Tifa, she's wearing her little like I think she has like a skirt and uh, I think a glove. Anyway, Barrett actually has. (laughs) He looks like Barrett. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so cute. It is really cute. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the lighting between the inside and outside? Oh like, my gosh. So, did that bug you? Yes, so much. I that honestly did, thought it was realistic. I Yeah, okay. <laughs> I in some cases when it's really sunny, yes. Um, but when I'm going from like nighttime to inside, it should not be that way. I don't know. I think I, so. I, I think realism like the first few times is fine but after a while like if i have to keep walking in to a certain point to get adjusted i don't know it it just it was I, more i understand 
I understand the frustration, but like there were a few times when you when you wake up specifically earlier in the game when you're in the slums, you wake up to start like the next day. Cloud gets up and you're in your dark like room and you open the door and it's like blinding bright outside and you, then you walk through the door and it like adjusts and it's just it's satisfying it's like you can't quite see anything and then like the lighting adjusts and it's like oh wow this is amazing it's just it's really irritating to me when i walk into a room especially one that i haven't been in yet and i can't see where i'm going yeah i I have to walk into a wall for two seconds till my game adjusts yeah i get that i don't Um, know the mouth movements uh, could have been a little better the npcs were the worst offenders of the mouth sinking (laughs) um also like you could totally tell which which of the npcs were going to be used for something important and which ones were just filler npcs yeah because the like filler blah npcs always wore like the most plain clothes and they had the most flat faces where like the the angel of the slums girl like sid's sid's grandma i don't i don't don't remember her name but she she like was very well detailed and she had very like um elaborate clothing and like a scarf and like stuff on her belt and it's like oh well she must be an important character you know like there there were a few characters (laughs) like that where it's like you could tell who an important character was just by what they were wearing but you know as much as i i'm not trying to excuse it but the way I attributed it to is sometimes I see people when I'm out and about and I happen to run into them like later on. And I, it's kind of like you just tend to notice some people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It is. I understand what you're saying. I, I don't know if it just bothered. It doesn't bother me specifically, but then again, well, it they, wasn't necessarily bother- a bad thing. I was just commenting oh, on oh, how, how you could tell you know you could tell that more yeah. more effort was put on the like important characters with the blonde pcs just looked meh <laughs> so what did you give graphics um i gave it an eight i think we already talked about that oh my bad and, Are we and on gameplay? <laughs> yours is an eight too right yes yeah okay um uh something else i wanted to bring up with graphics some of the little details were amazing. <laughs> like the save crystal logo on the, bu- yeah, on the benches was, was so cute. Um, and Don Corneo in his, um, in his dungeon, he had like a little vending machine and it was yeah. of him like smoking a cigar. It was so cool. I loved I thought it. His little avatars were kind of cute on the like screen. <laughs> oh yeah. Those two. Oh my gosh. Those were so good. This, in fact, the people who do not disappoint as far as like their read reimagination, Don Corneo did not disappoint. He not at all. Pre- pretty much spot on. Honestly, Hojo, Hojo was perfect too. I think. Honestly, I think all of them were like, they were all like, yeah, like Palmer. Palmer was super ugly in his Palmer way, <laughs> but like he fits his like gross demeanor, you know, like it, it's so perfect for who he is. Um, I was kind of disappointed that um, President Shinra wasn't like a short fat guy. He was just like yeah, a normal dude. Yeah, that was kind of sad. He and I was kind of 
This is this is kind of funny too. I wanted to see him dead with the sword on his. Back. I did too, so much. Also, also, the blood? huh? The blood? No, the blood. No, Bye-bye. I wasn't. But you're right. That should be a topic of discussion. The blood. Now I've heard an explanation of the blood that it would have changed their um their rating, their maturity rating, or whatever. So like they didn't want to put any blood that's in there. Sad. But yeah, it was very sad because that's a huge moment of the game where you're walking through the the Shinra building and there's blood all over the ground and like claw marks in the walls and it it looks so like menacing and it's like what is going right. on? The and then music. now now you get there and it's just like this bubbling like purple goo it's like yeah. oh okay <laughs> like that's weird but that, okay like it makes it any better <laughs> i know well you know and in some ways it's like okay genova is this extraterrestrial being i guess she would maybe have like purple goo goopy. for blood <laughs> no but i mean she has no head so i mean she would be dripping blood i don't know so i mean I, I guess no i was gonna say because you were talking about how morbid it was to want to see President Shinro with the uh, oh, yeah. sword in his back. I was thinking that it would... I really wanted to see um, Sang backhand Aerith. Yeah! Because in the original... In the original, um, Aerith jumps... Okay, so to set the scene for you, they're on top of the pillar, and the pillar's about to blow up. And Sang shows up, and has in the original Seng shows up and has Aerith in the helicopter with him and Aerith jumps up and says don't worry she's safe and then Seng like backs backhands her and um they fly away in this game in the or in the remake Seng shows up as like a display on the on the monitor screen and has uh, Aerith in the background and Aerith is like don't worry she's safe and then he's just like like nothing happens and it's so like ah no I wanted to see that backhand you know <laughs> that's kind of like which it, it bothered me but it shouldn't because it's kind of creepy the fact that um, they didn't put Red and Ares together into that like pod so that Hojo could quote unquote breed them yeah <laughs> and Red initially breaks out and he actually attacks Hojo and it's got him by the neck. Yeah, and he's like dragging him around. Yeah, that would have been really cool to have seen too. At least a little bit of roughing up. Instead, he got froze midair. Yeah, (laughs) I know. That was kind of disappointing because I was hoping to see some. That said, Red looked amazing. I love Red, looked really good. And his animation was really well done too. Like, the way he talked looked so good compared ear- to like the Lion King, even <laughs> ear flicks. Yeah, ear flicks like he so just cute. he was so well animated. Me, which I might be in the original. I think it's funny that they kept the collar on him, but when I noticed, that's where his ma- he had materia equipped to him. You can't yeah. even use them. I think they- the original he, he does have collar for his equipment like right. his his weapon just, is like I thought a collar his bangles would have made more sense yeah, yeah um, i suppose but i'm i'm guessing they must have you 
I don't know. I just, I thought it was interesting that he had materia equipped. He had materia equipped so that he could cast that materia. So he obviously, it makes me wonder if at one point they were going to have him playable. They just then decided, well, he's not even going to be it's possible for long. Yeah, it's, it's possible. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool too when Red, um, is first introduced they put him in the same stance that he is in in the artwork for the original game oh, did you yeah. notice that I, like he, I think so, yeah. he stands like exactly mirroring yep. the original artwork well they do a lot of different things Ugh. well sorry i guess not to the artwork but um in the battle arena did you notice that when you won the battle arenas that your character's animation mimics the yeah. what they do when they win in I the did. old game and it's so cute it made yeah. it made me Happy. it just made me feel great yeah yeah watching watching cloud twist that sword around in the air is like yes i that's first noticed great. with Aries. she yeah. did her little <laughs> um, yeah that's cute that let's talk about that too I, I we're still on graphics this is weird um, so some of the monsters that you fight, some, sorry, some of the bosses that you fight were originally just like blah monsters in the original game and right. they translated them to bosses, which the fights were what they were, but they looked amazing. Yeah. The hell house looked so good. The like <laughs> the saw sword or whatever. It, it's like that long, um, the fish. Yeah. The fish thing. Yeah. That was awesome. The, I um, love that. The big like mechs that transform into those skating guys. Oh, yeah. They were in the original. They looked amazing. I mean, it's just oh, it's just so great the little, that they put these things in there. The little, the little guys that popped up uh, from the floor. Oh, they were the worst. But yes, well, they I mean were they, the they were spot on. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of the most of the enemies were original, were but it was rhino. so cool to see, like specifically the Hell House. But it, it filters down to a lot of these other bosses that weren't originally bosses. Like, right? Yeah. They they weren't originally a boss, but they they made because he was an iconic character in that area. They made him into a boss, and it just made it epic like it, you walked in and it was like the hell house pulled up from the floor and it's just like yes <laughs> like this is what i wanted to see and, uh, it's just it was so great oh and man it, that hell house battle was terrible I oh hated i know doing that. but I man know. the flying chairs were so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah good gg yeah i know i know uh, well i think i've exhausted my uh <laughs> my graphics list. talk yeah anything else from you no that's pretty much all right gameplay uh i normally say that gameplay is the longest but i don't even know anymore <laughs> um one of the things that bothered me which i played on easy i'm embarrassed to even say but <laughs> i do have dyslexia and so I thought it would be best. And it did. I took a long time to learn it. Once you learn it, it's fine. The battle system and everything. Mm -hmm. What bothered me was when I was healing and I was interrupted by an enemy. It's fine that my AT bar is gone because, you know, I was interrupted. But, but your MP is gone too. my MP. Yeah. And I, I did not technically cast it. I know. Yeah, <laughs> That's I know. Like, it's like saying that, I don't know. Yes. That bothered me. And it bothered I, me. 
Because all of a sudden, I'd have no AP or MP, no ATB bar, and no one's healed, and I have I need to have an elixir now or mm-hmm. a, or an ether. Yeah, I <laughs> I agree. I was okay with them interrupting your spell casting. Like it it made sense in a you know a battle yeah. feel like that. That makes sense, but. To then, yeah, remove your remove your um your ability to do anything like. And again, I was playing easy. It would have made more sense if it was on a harder mode, but that was that was on easy. This this was the problem that I had with the game, the the battle system as a whole. Your characters, if you're not actively using them, if you're if you're not actively controlling them, they sit and do nothing. So they're not building their ATB bar. So if you get low on health and your main character that you're fighting with has no ATB bar and your sub your sub characters are definitely not because you haven't been actively fighting with them because they sit in the corner if you mm-hmm. don't. So their bars aren't even full. You have no way of healing. You're you're Essentially, you're hosed because there's no way to heal because you can't just use items and you can't just cast magic without that ATB bar right. being full. And you can't even attack the enemy because if you attack the enemy, you're going to lose health and you need your health because you're about dead. So, right. like, <laughs> you may as well just fold and you're done, you know? That was my man. Sephiroth at the end was a big problem for me. He kept interrupting me before I could get my, even for cloud, my ATB, I had to keep a significant amount of distance between us. And even then I, once I figured out how to beat him, it was better, but man, I was struggling so bad. That ATB bar is, I, Brandon and me were talking about this again. I'm playing on easy. So you would think that even on easy mode, you should be able to use your items instead of waiting for an ATB gauge. Yeah. Bar or whatever. But you can't even do that. <laughs> well, know. the problem... I don't know. Once once you learn the battle system and you figure out exactly how it's meant for you to use it, it's not so bad. But the first half of this game, the first time through, I struggled so hard with the AI not battling whatsoever and... Um, and the ATB gauge not being filled whatsoever, and then I'm dying because I have no way of healing myself. But you slowly start realizing that the game wants you to change characters frequently, and as often as possible. You're always like... It it got to the point for me where as soon as my character that I'm I'm currently using gets attacked, I switch, and I I start going at him from the other side. Because... Otherwise, the AI literally just sits in the corner and does nothing. Like, they might attack once in a while, but not enough to fill that gauge. So you have to be swapping them out all the time for that gauge to fill. I relied on the AI more to run away. So if I'm cornered and I can't get out and I've got no bar (laughs) again... I usually switch to another character. I mean, that's not my my sole method of battling for the record, but I right. use it to my advantage of they do tend to get out of the way quicker, and I like to abandon them <laughs> when I'm in a pinch. I'll let someone else deal with that, and what, then they die. Something that I didn't notice until the second time through, which is way late, <laughs> um, your ATB gauges 
will will grow if you're just running around. Oh and yeah, that I had I had no idea until the second time I played through the game. So like I'm I'm sitting there like it, it, I think it was Reno when I first realized this. Reno the second time um in the church and I'm sitting there I have no health and I have no ATB gauge and I have no way to fill that ATB gauge because in my mind the only way to fill it was to attack him. So like I'm like stuck and I'm like, well, I either die or I just run around and try and dodge stuff. Well, as I'm running around, I notice that yeah. my bar is <laughs> filling and I'm yeah. like, oh, what? Like, I've I've like, beat, oh, I've beat this game all the way through once without noticing that that's a way to fill your gauge. I had no idea. So then it made things significantly easier the second time through. I was able to like, oh, well, my gauge needs filled, so I'll just switch to a character who has better health, right. and I'll just run around for a while and heal using items. Like, that worked. Yeah, I did notice that, and that does help, especially when you're, you're in, in a Sephiroth fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, when I... I my... My end party of the game was Tifa and Barrett, and Tifa came first, and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. She'd run around and heal my part. She, I used her mainly as my healer. Yeah. But actually, I enjoyed controlling Tifa a lot. Yeah, she was fast. She's yeah. so fast. Well, and she gets your uh, the stagger bar up a lot quicker, too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Yeah, my biggest my biggest qualm of gameplay was honestly that although I did have that glitch where she was floating um on the wrong platform, oh, which was yeah. done. I I think what happened was I was climbing the wall to the top plate and there you're climbing a set of stairs, but there's this like side platform where you can go get a a, a treasure chest. Well, I think she got stuck behind the building when I went back and up the stairs. So she just automatically moved up with my party. So uh, she's over there floating midair. And wow. And that was, it was really funny. She came back when I went into a battle, but yeah, I wonder. That's because if she can, they teleport. When you go into a battle, wherever they're at, no. they just teleport to your side. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't say I ran into any glitches like that. Um, really, I didn't run, I can't think of any glitches that I ran into really at all. Um, I, I feel like I had like one or two wonky things, but they were so insignificant that there would be no way to, it's just one of the hazards of playing that kind of a game, but nothing that stood out like that as far as gameplay though. Honestly, I I thought the battle system was super smooth. Like... It, it just, it flowed really well. It was fast paced. You, you know, yeah, you were just mostly button mashing the attack button most of the time, but there was still like that element of like, you could hit that X button and like, hold on, let me think, let me make a right. plan. Let yeah. me adjust some characters and then continue mashing the attack button. Did you notice that sometimes the dialogue slows down? Yeah, I noticed that, and sometimes you can see like missiles flying through the air, yeah, and like Barrett's cool Barrett's like shots flying through the air. It looks really cool. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, the flying enemies were probably the worst. 
of this entire game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they wanted to encourage you to use up some of your material, like wind. and I guess, but man, like you still have to fill your ATV bar. So like the best, the, the easiest method of doing that is to attack the enemy. But half the time, the flying enemies would just like fly away and they would fly off of platforms where you can't reach them. Yeah. And then you're stuck with like, either terrible magic or with Barrett, which is fine. Barrett was a really good character, but still it's like you have the one enemy way off in the distance that you can't reach because they fly. Probably the helicopter guys were the worst offender of that. Man, the dragons for me were, Oh really? For me, it was climbing, climbing the pillar with the helicopter guys because you're left with only cloud for most of that section. And the helicopter guys would show up, like bomb the crap out of you and then just fly away. And like, you're still stuck there. I think I died like several times by the helicopter guys because of that. I don't think I died. I think every time that I died, it was majority of like bo- like a boss or almost like a sub boss. Yeah. When I don't think I died that much. I wasn't counting though. Um, mini games was kind of cool. There were a yeah, few. just there, a few. There was the Whack a Box. Did you do? Did you get the high score on the darts? I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The darts. Um, the darts was kind of tough. I I enjoyed the like mechanics of it. Yeah. And yeah, whack a box. I I did the f- I d- had the high score on both of the whack a box challenges. I only did the one. I didn't really care to do the rest of them. <laughs> maybe maybe if I go back, it's. I think you get some decent items for beating it, so it's like it's worth getting it, and it's not that hard. There's that right. um infinity end or something like that that Cloud can do that in that one move he can destroy a fifteen hundred box. So, Uh-oh. like, if you just fill your ATB bar all the way up to the two, and then you use that move, you can destroy the 1,500 sure. boxes, and it goes so fast. Hmm. I'll have to uh, go back and do that. <laughs> so, how did, yeah, you feel, how did you feel about side quests? I liked the side quests. I, you know, it seems, when you look at the list of all the side quests, because you can see what you if there's any left that you haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem like on the list that there's that many, but it takes a while to do. So I feel like it was a decent balance. I like there's time to do side quests, and then then there's the game. <laughs> right? Yeah, I I agree. There was it was definitely balanced between the main storyline and side quests, and. Once you finished an area, there was no going back. So there wasn't like a ton of side quests that you're backlogged with. It's usually just like, you know, there's like between five and eight in this section. And there's like another six in this section. And then like the last section, you have like nine of them or whatever. But um, what I really liked is the very last section where you have side quests uh, in sector five, six right yeah. before you go to the top plate after Aerith has been captured and sector yeah. seven falls, you have a ton of side quests and they, they all in some way kind of flow together where you have to do, you could do these side quests and they kind of flow into this side quest. Yeah. And like, 
you get a side quest to fight the behemoth, but then you also have another side quest where you need a behemoth horn. So it's like you, you're knocking out two with killing the behemoth. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised we forgot to talk about this. The honeybee inn. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We haven't talked about that at all. That should have gone under story. But I mean, yeah. it, it kind of goes under gameplay too, because it's kind of a mini game in in a way. It's like a rhythm <laughs> mini game, essentially. So, how did you feel about the way they did the Honeybee Inn? Um, I thought it was really well done. I really did. Um, the dance off thing was kind of silly, but it was just silly. Like there was, I I had no qualms with it. It was just silly. Uh. Uh, that whole section, a lot of that was new content from the original because originally you just do a bunch of side quests and then you get the dress and then you go to the mansion. Right. Where this game they had the like the the three um, the trio, yeah, where, and, and then the like coliseum that you had to do and like all the side quests so that you could obtain the the dress and then. You had to do the the honeybee in stuff. That was its own side quest. So it was good to see that they put more thought into that area than just like do these things and you get right. a dress. So it was nice and and it was kind of fun, especially playing it the first time, where you're like, when is Cloud gonna get the dress? Because originally you're just aiming to get Aerith a dress, right? And then it's <laughs> like you switch gears and now it's like, Oh, now we have to get cloud address, but when is it coming? Like, when is that going to happen? And then finally they give it to you and it's like, ah, thank you. <laughs> did you, did you like the dress that you got dresses? I guess I got two different dresses. I got like this super Gothic, um, Victorian dress the first time. And I really liked that one. Uh, the second time I got more of a plain purple dress that I didn't like quite as much, but I think it was more reminiscent to the original. The original. Uh, but I mean, they it, Cloud looked uncomfortable, and I as felt he should. I felt his <laughs> uncomfortable. Uh, like he's so like quiet and reserved that him doing this dance off was so out of character for him. So from that point of view, it felt awkward, but it wasn't like. It it didn't hinder the game whatsoever. It was just a little awkward, you know. Yeah, I agree. It at first I was a little disturbed just because it was so not cloud. But yeah. I think because it was so you know, you really need that area for like comic relief. Yeah. And that was it is kind of nice to have that. I um, the dancing thing, I think that that it didn't bother me. It was okay. It just like you said, it's so outside of Cloud's nature that... That he would even do it is what's funny to me. Yeah, like, and then to see him dancing so all. fluidly, yeah. it just it was, like, <laughs> huh? weird to see. Like, it Must looked fine. Like, time. It did It did just, like, like, the scene looked good. It just, from my point of view, it was so awkward, because Cloud is such a quiet reserved manly man soldier dude and he just in a dress he's supposed to be awkward because he's in a dress it's supposed to be an awkward moment but then to have him doing this dance-off thing was even weirder and uh, more awkward so oh man 
But when Barrett is asking them, like, you've been here before? And all his quick responses, like, can't recall. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what you're about. I think that made me laugh a lot, actually. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good. It was a good section. Yeah, I'm 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 okay with what they've done. It was I'm glad that they met my expectation because it was such a big I will say though, I've said this already before. I had that part partially spoiled from the the trailers and I was very disappointed yeah. that I had seen that cuz I wanted it to be new when I played the game. But yeah. yeah, I didn't see any of that, and I was I was very surprised when the dance yeah. off when the dance off started. I was just like, "What is this silliness? What is going on?" But I guess you can get like some decent items from doing that dance off really well. So you know, if you wanted yeah. to try it again, <laughs> uh, it was it was different. Which that's but... that's a good thing to bring up. Uh, after you beat the game, you have the option for chapter selection. So you can go back and replay specific chapters if you want to. You also unlock the hard mode. So if you wanted to go back with a harder difficulty, you could. Um, so, you know, that's kind of nice. At the very end of the game, you get these little perks. Plus, you also get um, the play log, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. Where essentially, if you wanted to replay the game or... Sorry, no. It's the chapters. It's no, 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 no. Er, the play, the play log has like all of these like things that you can try in hundred percent. So like they have encountering all enemies or assessing all enemies or you know how many side quests you've gotten, how many of the dresses you've achieved. You know, so you could go back and play replay stats. these sections to try and gain all of these different like little things to collect. So it adds to the replayability to the game. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um. So what'd you see. give gameplay? I gave it an eight out of ten. I gave it a seven. Oh, you gave it a seven? Wow. I don't okay. know. You know, I think you're right. I I think it deserves an eight. I remember scoring this and thinking, I don't know. How well, I, I, I want to after- talk about another bad part of this that I kind of glazed over. I don't think we really talked about. Um. The game doesn't do very good with allowing you to explore. So oh, like, oh yeah, that bothered. Uh, that did not bother. Uh, go on, it, it drove didn't bother me, me like crazy. It you. So like, if you're especially the first time through, you're playing and it's like, ooh, what's over here? And the game, there is no blockade. There isn't even like a, a an invisible wall. It's just this big do not enter sign comes across Cloud's head and he like stops and is forced back. And it's it's annoying because all I want to do is explore and you know if there's a barricade or something it's like no you can't explore that right now. But like to have this like ooh what's this and then have this like no and the, like this yeah. this leash pulling you back was really really annoying. <laughs> Um, and then the camera angle too, like as you're walking through a section, if the game wants you to look at something, it essentially will grab the camera and force it into a fixed location for you to look at what it wants you to look at. However, cloud still has to go wherever it is that he's intended to go. And 
that's not always clear. So until you make it to the section that unlocks the the frozen camera, you have to navigate and you can't see anything. Right, yeah. So it's like you're walking, the camera locks onto something. It's like, okay, well, where do I go? Unlock the camera so I can see and look around. And it's just, uh, it's so limiting. It's it's almost like the game grabs your face and forces you to look at something, and then holds your eyes wide open so you can't look at anything else. It's like, oh, it's so it. restricting. It, it it boiled my blood. That was a big between the way the AI functions and the camera stuff and the the exploring locks that really brought my score down for me. I, I'm still stuck on my I think I'm bumping it back up to an 8 an I eight. think that it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you it was frustrating but I, there were times where they wouldn't do that and they were, they'd be like what's this and I have no idea where the character yeah. is well you see <laughs> what what normally happens in most games that are 3D and open like this is you enter an area and the camera focuses on that spot, freezes all movement, focuses on that spot, says, oh, hey, there's this over here, and then zooms back to your character, kind of yeah. giving you a guide of where that lo- that is rel- relative to your character's position. So then you have the opportunity to then explore where it... You know, so that it almost seems like a cutscene. Where with this, it's almost like you're doing a thing, and then the camera's like, "Look at this!" And then it forces <laughs> you to look at that, and then you, you're locked in until you make it to a certain spot on the map. And it's just it it breaks the flow of the game. I will say though, I enjoyed the fluidity of controlling the camera. I think yeah, I, it went well. I, I, it, it was satisfying to me. <laughs> um, some of the things that you can interact with in the world, wh- whether it be pushing a button or opening a chest or opening a door oh. or something like that, the your your character has to be directly in front of this item, and the camera has to be looking at the item in order for you to interact with it, which is really infuriating. And it causes your character to kind of do this dance around the item for a little bit while you're trying to get that indicator to pop up, the triangle indicator. Yeah. So it's like that dance is so stupid and it makes you frustrated because it's like you're just trying to open a door and you run up to the button and you kind of overshoot the button a little bit. So then you turn around and then you run past the button again and then you turn around and you walk past the button again. And it's like, no, just stand still. And again, that would have been easily remedied if your circle of interacting with that button was a little bit bigger or you didn't have to be directly facing it to push it on that same note too the hold button was pointless hold hold down triangle for 30 seconds to open a door yeah it makes sense it makes sense if you're holding the triangle button while you're opening the door but half the time cloud would like hover his hand over a a lever and it's like hold triangle and it's like one Two, Heaven three, forbid you let go. four, and then finally it's like click, 
And it's like, Cloud, you you weren't even struggling. Like, maybe if you were struggling to to right. pull that lever, it would make sense. But, like, to just sit there and stare at it while you hold triangle, it's just yeah, artificially extending the game. It's stupid. Agreed. But, I mean, it's minuscule. I mean, really, right. the battle system, it was tough, and it took a lot of learning to figure out, but it was fun once you got the hang of it, and it and it flowed really well. I was really sad that Red was an NPC. I wish yeah. I would have been able to control him. But the monsters, like, having, having these original game monsters were really cool, even though the fights were really hard sometimes. Like, and there were a few enemies that had these invincible moments that you had to do something very specific to make them uninvincible again. Right. And that was really annoying. I think the hell house was like the worst offender. Yeah. To that. that one was really bad. Um, Sephiroth, I think had a few moments too, where it's like, he's invincible until you do yeah. a certain thing. <laughs> or I think Genova, Genova's who I'm thinking of where you had to like cut the all tentacles. the tentacles in order to activate it. Um, in order to all ten of her tickles, re- yeah, remove remove the barrier, get all ten of her tickles. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's I don't know. There, it has its ups and downs, and I feel like you know, little things could have improved this game so much. Like you know, helping helping you activate you know, in, in helping you interact with some of the things a little bit better, having your AI be a little bit smarter, letting your AI use like a gambit system type thing where they could heal if you wanted them to heal automatically right. using an ATB gauge. But you know, yeah, if you wanted to have Aerith be a healer specifically, if her gauge gets to be full, she heals automatically. There is no thought behind right. it. It's just she does it. I would have appreciated that, but you have to be very vigilant in what you choose. And I think that they wanted that to be reminiscent of the original, but it just kind of made it frustrating because the battle system is definitely not the original. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like a lot of, well, not a lot of, well, a good portion of what we've talked about that were as far as negative, hopefully, and should be easily fixed in the Agreed. next one. Agreed. So we'll have to see how well yeah. we improve from there. But yeah, I agree. For for what this game had to offer, I mean, an A is a fair number. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Definitely, yep. definitely room for improvement. It's not a, the most amazing thing I've ever seen before. It's just, <laughs> it's good. It's, it's good. <laughs> right. So let's talk about music. What'd you give it? I gave it a nine. Oh, I gave it a ten. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, Why didn't it deserve a 10, Danny? It, it didn't deserve a 10 because the voice, the voices and the volume control were not <laughs> thought about whatsoever. Like half the time. And, and some of this kind of falls into gameplay too, because this was annoying to me. Your characters were sitting and having a conversation like early, early game stuff. Tifa and Cloud are having a conversation while walking through the slums. 
And in the meantime, while they're having a, an important conversation that you want to listen to, the NPCs are like, I think I need to wash my pants. And it's like <laughs> way too loud. And it's like overpowering the conversation. And it's meaningless. And it's like, and it's like that all the way through the slums. Tifa's talking about, you know, how she found a room for cloud and, and the things that they're going to do in the future. And you got NPCs like, I really think that I need to find another Chocobo so I can get out of here. Like, just, just shut up. Like, I don't want to hear the NPCs. Not that loud. Like tone yeah. them down. If, if your main characters are at all having any conversation, all the rest of the sound levels should be way down. There's no reason for the NPCs to be that loud ever. So I was really, really annoyed by that. <laughs> Another thing you. that I was annoyed by was sometimes you're, you're controlling Cloud most of the time. And while you're controlling Cloud, the other characters will have conversations. Sometimes those characters can run four miles down the road and you can't hear them anymore, but they're still having a conversation <laughs> and you cannot run to catch up with them. That was really annoying. Yeah. Very, very annoying. Um, other times <laughs> you will enter a, a spot where there's a lot of NPCs and you're just kind of walking through the area and randomly without, without any warning all of the NPCs will say their one line thing at the exact same yeah, time. I, all of a, you're walking through and all of a sudden it's just like this <laughs> of people talking. It's like, what is going on? Why is everyone talking? And in the meantime, Tief is telling you how to get to Sector 7 or whatever. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why is this happening? <laughs> so yeah, I, that was enough for me to dock at a point. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I guess you're right. I I, <laughs> I guess you're right. And to me, the music standalone blew me away. Agreed. But I guess in terms of that, I can see it. it I, I noticed it, and I guess I just can't ignore it. The, so the I will, music. I'll dock at a point. I agree. I think you're right, but. It still deserves, like, if you're talking about music alone, I think it deserved a 10 out of 10. Agreed. The music alone was really well done. It was very reminiscent of the original, but it was updated enough to be new. Um, there were some things that kind of bugged me, like the the wall market didn't have the same music as the original yet. The original music was remixed in another area, yeah. which was really annoying to me because I wanted that boom, 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 boom. As you're walking through the wall market, like that's the music for the yeah. wall market to me. So that was really sad, but I mean, most of the time the music was very reminiscent and in the right place. Right. Um, and the updates to the music were really, really well done. Collecting the music was really good. And a lot of those songs were neat. Yeah. <laughs> like they weren't the remix of the Chocobo remix. <laughs> well, it, w it was like they were remixing the songs, but like they weren't, they were like completely done differently. Like they yeah. transformed the, um, the ending victory fanfare type stuff to like a waltz. 
Yeah. <laughs> which was really weird. Just like they, it was like an artistic, um, uh, an artistic, I can't think of the word, um, inspiration from the original, you know, an artistic sure. change to the original. It was good. It was just it, it, weird sometimes. Um, yeah. Voice acting was really good. I, at first, Red's voice bothered me, but then I liked it. <laughs> Red's voice didn't I, bother me whatsoever. I, I think, I guess I just envisioned him to having a little bit of a younger voice. Not that it was bad. I just and it, and I was fine with it by the end. It was just sometimes it was almost too deep. Hmm. But I really I think liked everyone else was good. I really liked Aerith's voice. Oh, I thought yeah. her voice fit her so well. And I mean all of the voice actors did such a good job delivering the lines. It sounded very natural as I've come to expect anymore, but you just after after playing a game like Resident Evil where the voice acting is really terrible. Yeah. You know, the coming to a game like this where I mean it it is like heavily voice acted because it needs to be. They just did a really good job doing it and it it's it's nice. I, I know you didn't like this, but I did. When Barrett would go I hated that because it reminded me of like Prompto. a little a little kid doing it. Oh, like you know, it w- Prompto did it in 15. Did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess he did. It, it was really just, I don't know. It, it was it was cute the first time that he did it. Yeah. And then afterwards, it was just like, oh, shut up. Also, oh. Barrett said <laughs> asshole way too much. Like every every other one liner in the battle system was him calling an an enemy an asshole. Barrett? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What did I say? Did I say Barrett? I thought you said Aerith, but Oh no. I, I I think I said Barrett. But yeah. Also, Aerith cussing was, was hilarious. Really it was so funny. That that was well executed, yes. I wonder I, I'm sure most people noticed it, but when you're when you're walking Sephiroth back or sorry when you're walking Aerith back to her house she like slips off an edge and she I think she says the s word or something like that as she falls it's just like oh she's human (laughs) (laughs) you know of that same that same thought though Cloud sometimes when he would say certain certain swores it did not it (laughs) it didn't sound right it didn't sound right. Yeah, I noticed like that too. At the very end, he said he he calls someone the B word, and it sounds so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Where at least Barrett Barrett's makes sense because he swore a lot. In yeah, the- and he did in the original. So like, I expected that from him. But yeah, it was it was funny to hear Aerith swear. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I that think that was really, really funny. Yep. So overall I gave it an eight out of 10. It was really good, but there were, there were some things that were really hard to overlook. And, and that's the biggest reason why I dropped my score down to an eight. Yeah. Yep. Me too. Oh, you too, huh? I'm eight out of 10. Nice. 
I I think it's fair. I I think eight out of ten. I mean, if we were strictly going off of nostalgia value, maybe a nine. <laughs> that ending. <laughs> yeah, I and I think that like they did such a good job and faithfully recreated this section of the game so well. It was so so well. But that twist at the very end just threw yeah. things into a direction that I just I don't like. I'll I'll accept it and I'm going to move on and I'm going <laughs> to tr- do my best to enjoy the rest of the game that they are going to be making, but I just that direction is so off-putting that it it hurt. It hurt it hurt right. me as a you know, a love having having followed this game for so many years and having such a love for this game i wanted it to be so much i I wanted it to be perfect and this was not a direction that i was wanting this was not a direction i was expecting whatsoever and now that i've seen it i don't really want it so i'm sad about that but again i'm gonna try do the best to make the most out of the next couple (laughs) games you know Playing this game before the end, obviously, I did not want to play this game because, and especially the farther I went on, because I didn't want the game to end strictly for the nostalgia aspect. Yeah, yep. I just, I knew that when I played more, like, especially when I got to the pillar, I'm like... We're almost there. I know. I felt the same sad. way. I felt the same way. But it was like the game kind of kept surprising you with more stuff to do. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, I still have quite a bit of game left. And it's like, yeah, you get you get to a certain point where you're going to, like, y- you find Aerith a- in the church. And you do the church stuff. And you're like, there's no way there's more game to this. Like, there's <laughs> no way. And then, sure enough, they find a way to sneak more right. crap in there. And it's like, most of it is really good. And uh, I accept it into the game perfectly well some other stuff is like ah come on you know yeah. I, we don't need this boss fight to take uh 20 minutes or more i mean there were some boss fights that took like over an hour yeah, and it's just like know. there's no reason for a boss fight to be that long and part of that is that i suck the other part of that <laughs> is that it's a long boss fight i mean the hell house that's like a 40 minute boss fight yeah Easy. i know a mandatory one it is yeah it Coliseum. is it's just it's it's unbelievable. But again, you know, it's it's fine. I I accept it for what it is. <laughs> and just that ending though, I just can't. Uh I I'm I want to know what the next games are going to hold. There's a lot of weird things that I think they're going to have to deal with in the next in the upcoming games or game depending on how they break this up. Like after you leave Midgar, it's a very open world. So what are they going to do with that? Are they going to make it open world? Or are they going to make it like fake open world where like you have big squares that you can walk through to get from point A to point B? Are you going to be able to back travel a little bit to some of these spots? Is it going to be super linear? Are they going to be... Uh, how are they going to do the um, the flashback sequence? Are they even going to have the flashback sequence? Are we even going to go to calm? I don't. I don't even know. 
That sounds so, like good zap chats. Yeah, yeah. It, we'll we'll definitely uh, probably in the next zap chats we'll talk more about what we want to see in the future games. Some of the stuff that they're uh, I, I'm sure we'll repeat some of these things about how they could improve on in the new game. You know, from what this is. So, you know, look for that on the uh, June 15th. We'll, we'll do a Zap Chats on that one, so keep an eye out for that. Um, so, anything else overall, Kaylee, you want to talk about? No. Just... Do you feel like this game has good replay value? I think, I think I would replay this in the future, yes. Okay. I... What yes. about, what about, like, um compared to the original would you no. replay the original before no 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 um like post game content like now that the game is done you kind of have a chance to you can go back and replay the chapters individually um but you also have that like play log that you have to con- that you have to oh well, you don't have to you have the play log that you could fill like is that something that you would you would want to pursue or now that you're done it's just like I'm done wipe your hands of it and walk away Um I think it depends on if you're a completionist Yeah Kind of like the people who like doing the trophies I kind of I would like to go back and get some of the stuff I missed Um but I think as far as replaying the game by itself like just starting from scratch again I think it's still replayable yeah, I agree. So there's there's a lot of one-liners that are in there that are meaningful to the game and right. really the the world as a whole that if you've missed, it's worth playing again just to just to scratch your head at and be like, you know, <laughs> what what could this mean? You know, there there were things that I experienced in this game the second time through that I'm just like, "Oh, well, maybe maybe there's more to this than what I originally <laughs> thought. So you know, it it really is fun to experience it over again. But I mean, overall, once you've played it once, eh, you know, you kind of got the you got the gist. There there is some time to marinate on some of the things that happened at the very end. That it's like, you know, we talked about it. There's so many right. weird things that happen at the very end that you really need to sit on and think about and break down on your own. I mean, there's a lot of people online who have like us who have their own theories of what exactly is happening at the very end of the game that you can, you can watch those theories and, and listen to those people and listen to them, break it down. And there's some really good ideas out there. And, you know, from my point of view, I think that anything is possible, you know, like they yeah. can take this game in any direction. So it's just a matter of waiting for those games to come out and see what they have to offer. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Kaylee, we have been playing final fantasy seven for almost half of a year <laughs> recently. <laughs> like we played the original final fantasy seven yeah. for like two months or so. And then we had like a month of cooldown, and then on um, Final Fantasy VII Remake come out, and we've been playing this for a couple months. Man, it's been it's <laughs> yeah, been a long been... time of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> so, what was your total score, Kaylee? Um, uh, my total was forty one. 
out of 50. I also had a 41, so that's a 92 out of 100. That's Aww. an A. It still good. got an A after all the crap that we talked about it, and we beat it up. We pulverized it, and then we're like, no, it well, deserves guess- a blue ribbon. <laughs> I-, <laughs> I still think that... I still think that if you just forget about the last part, if you just cut out, if you cut out the last like 30 seconds of the game, if you forget it ended (laughs) the way it ended, (laughs) forget those last two hours with any, with any luck, they will, they will start off the next game. Like, Oh yeah, none of that actually happened. That was just a dream that cloud had while he was in, um, Hojo's lab. We'll he just continue the game now. Poisoning. <laughs> yeah. What if what if that was a thing? Like we we start off the next game and you're actually like locked up in um in Midgar and you have to do the like escape again <laughs> to find out that was all a dream. Like the developers were like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Although wouldn't it be something if you got to like game seven? If you get to game <laughs> This Final Fantasy 7, Part 7. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you get to that part and, like, Cloud wakes up from his his coma and is like, what was that? <laughs> you know, yeah. Everything, <laughs> everything not, you've experienced has been a dream. Yeah, that would be <laughs> nuts. Oh, man. Well... I think that pretty much wraps up our Final Fantasy VII remake. I mean, we're we're pretty darn close to three hours here. So, Woo. guys, if you stuck it out through this whole conversation, thank you all so much. I hope you've enjoyed our content so far. Um, this is episode sixty-five. We have sixty-five mm. games that we've reviewed under our belt. So make sure you check us out at zapnight.com where you can see all of our past podcast episodes, including the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, the next game that we are going to be reviewing is uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Switch, the remake, the remaster, whatever you want to call it. So that's going to be next. And then uh, me and Kaylee are also going to be playing Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. So Yay. check that out. Um, all of our gameplay videos are on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Zap Night Plays. That's where we put our gameplay videos um the zap night gaming is more for the podcast stuff though i do have some plans of adding some gameplay stuff over there as well but um in a different format so stay tuned for that if you want to see some more make sure you subscribe so guys thanks again for listening and watching this podcast episode um it's been a it's been a long one so we'll just wrap it up here (laughs) all right guys Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time.